What's really good, everybody? This is Nathan Albach, and welcome to the podcast where we get into people's stories and go down a bunch of rabbit holes about what's really good in the world. <laughs> I've got uh, no pressing announcements today, so we can get right into this thing. Um, for this episode, I sat down with my friend Jason Ager. Jason is a professor and songwriter who has a PhD in German literature, which I learned uh, in, in preparing for this thing. Uh, we met a while ago, I, I want to say close to 10 years ago, actually, at this open mic um, that I used to host at this place called Melody's Cafe right outside Philadelphia. And yeah, he played there, and, and he always seemed like a real genuine guy to me. Um, he's a killer songwriter and super funny on stage, which always leaves like a, a lasting impression as an audience member. You know, like when someone actually is funny and entertaining or has some unique uh, trait on stage. So anyway, we stayed in touch and uh, finally got to sit down and talk. Um, Throughout the conversation here, we actually talked a lot about his educational career and spent time just getting into the education system as a whole, um, focusing a lot on higher education and like the growing problems and that whole field, you know, around like student loan debt and and the, the, the lack of teaching benefits. You know, Jason's a adjunct professor, which is super common now. And it's a it's a ongoing problem where like colleges and uh, universities just don't really like, want to fully commit to professors and they end up like teaching part time at a bunch of different places looking for work. So, yeah, we got into all that and just like um, how technology is creating competition um, in this in the whole educational sector and how there's just all these growing problems and complexities that I'm interested in um, a ton and I don't know a ton about it. So it was great, you know, sitting down with someone who's on the inside of this whole situation. Uh, we also, outside of that, we talked about obviously his songwriting, which is how we know each other, uh, just how he got into writing and how how his, uh, I'd say his artistry weaves into his teaching, you know, like for, for, for Jason, like you, you can tell, like talking to him, he's a very, um, high functioning, holistic type person. Like all his work kind of works together in these interesting ways. So that was uh, super cool to talk to him about. Uh, he's like one of the few local musicians I know actually who does music at least in part for a living, <laughs> which is super rare and awesome to to be able to do. And obviously, I think he's a super intelligent and easy guy to talk to. So anyway, I hope you all enjoy the chat. I'll have uh, links to his music and his work in the show notes if any of you want to check it out. It's totally worth it. (laughs) And as a local artist myself, I know it means a lot. So just do it, all right? (laughs) Uh, Anyway, I think that's everything. Um, As always, please hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, wherever with any show feedback. And please leave a review on the iTunes thingy. (laughs) All right, now let's get into what's really good. Jason Ager, thanks for coming on the podcast. Oh my God, I'm so I'm so happy to be here, man. You have no <laughs> idea. I think I I reached out to you like almost well, since you, when you started out with it, right? Yeah, and it's I was been like, a I'd while. Love to come on, you know what I mean? And, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad it's finally going to happen. Well, I'm man. glad you're here. It's happening. Yeah, I know you're a great you're a great guy. Every time we interact, I'm stoked to talk to yeah, you. Man. And I'll, I'm going to let you on on a quick, dirty little secret of the okay. podcast. This is the worst thing ever, and I've I've never talked about. It, I don't think, but I mean, it is so obnoxious how many people I want to talk to on yeah, this thing. No, I get that. You know what I mean? Like. 
like I have a list. It's like a queue of all the people that have either reached out to me or I reached out to them, and it's like a. It's not even like a pecking order because like a lot of it comes down to availability sure, and sure. diversity. Because like you know me, like we know a lot yeah. of songwriters. So of I'm course. Like, yeah. How many? Like I'm like okay, if I'm doing a songwriter interview this week. I should yeah. probably not do one for yeah, a couple weeks you, here. You don't want to go over top with it. You know what I mean? Which yeah. Is, you know, which I, that's why I'm so glad that it worked out, man. I, I'm very excited <laughs> to be here in the in the in the awesome little studio you got going we, we on. We call here. it the Minecraft studio. Yo, it's so cool. <laughs> if you haven't been, you know, on the on the podcast yet, when you come on the podcast, it looks like the place is like Minecraft. It's got these like chartreuse green, <laughs> you know, baffling tiles mixed in with these black ones, and it's got this like green and black theme. I feel like I'm a creeper from Minecraft. You it's know I, I mean? it's Minecraft really cool. in real life. Yeah, my son, IRL. my son would love it. I'm telling you, he would like never ever leave this room. He'd be down here making weird like podcast videos. Right. <laughs> this building did used to be a prison, oh, so wow. it's like it's funny how like we're probably in like this. X, like, I don't even know. This, maybe, like, the warden's office or something it's like a, that. Yeah, it's a just, true penitentiary yeah. where, you do, where you do your penitence, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So weird, man. Only the penitent man will pass. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude, I mean, let's, uh, like, for people, I mean, for, I shouldn't even say for people who don't know. It's so funny when I do these episodes sometimes because sometimes it's like I'm doing an episode with a friend of mine. And sometimes sure. it's with someone who I'm friends. I would consider myself friends with like you, but we don't really know each other that well. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So like it's 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 just as interesting for me to get to know the guests as it is, I'm sure, for the people listening. Yeah. So, man, where where did you grow up or what's your deal? So, uh, yeah, I grew up um, right on the border of like northeast Philly and Huntington Valley, kind of like in between those two areas. I mean, it's, I guess I was like in lower Moreland or Br- uh, Bernathan, um, Beth Ayers. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so funny, man. In that area of the world, like it, all these little towns come together right on the border of like northeast Philly. Yeah. Um, but that's where I grew up. And uh, so my sister lives up here in Southerton, though. So my, my, my family. No way. Yeah, she's from this. They're from this area. Uh, my dad grew up in North Wales. Okay. Um, West Point, um, Worcester, like all the all the stuff in the area. And so like, I, I have a I'm very much like a Montgomery County guy, mm-hmm. you know. Um uh but I spent a lot of my time in the city, you know, I did I, I went to school um in the city. So it was kind of, you know, as a as a kid I got to know the city a lot. And then, you know, I haven't I haven't lived in this area for the past, you know, fifteen years, mm-hmm. you know. Um I lived in Europe for a while in in Vienna. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, in Austria for about wow. a year and a half. Um, and then I lived in Washington D.C. for a few years, um, and then in Baltimore for a few years, and then now for the past like for the longest time since since like I was growing up, man. I'm like I've, I've been in one single spot, and that's that's in in uh, Glassboro or Pittman, New Jersey. Right. So was the moving around was it largely due to work, or was it just kind of yeah. like self exploratory type stuff? No, it was all. Well, I mean, it was it was academic based, right? Yeah. So I mean, um, you know, I uh, I went to Vienna um, on a Fulbright fellowship after um, after my wow. baccalaureate studies i guess you call it um yeah I won, I, I won a fulbright got a chance to study abroad it was fantastic thank you very much american taxpayers <laughs> that's tremendous because you paid for it <laughs> um so that was really cool i got to teach you know some english and and study at the university of vienna, uh, vienna. um a lot of fun there about a year and a half or so and then i came back did a little manual labor for a while while i kind of figured out of course know, what yeah, i was going to do in with my life a little bit and then uh, so i was applying to grad schools because you know when you graduate 
and go get a Fulbright, you kind of you kind you pigeonhole yourself a little bit, mm-hmm. at least in a certain in a certain regard, where it's almost expected that they you know that not they but you know that you kind of going to continue on your studies. Right. You know? I, right. Would, I would bet that the like the rate or like the percentage of folks who do Fulbrights. They probably it's like you know in the eighty five ninety five percent range where they're going on to some type of grad school or law school yeah, or something some like PhD, that. Yeah. yeah, so that's what I did. I came back and and um, spent a few years down in D.C. Um, working on a Ph.D. at at, uh, at Georgetown, um, um, and then that brought me to Baltimore. And uh, I was commuting down to D.C. A couple, every couple, couple days. I was wow. teaching a couple days. And then from there uh, to South Jersey, my wife's family kind of is from that area. So we kind of moved down um, there to kind of follow her career. Mm. So, you know, I'm I'm more flexible in what, you know. Right. I do the gig economy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, was the goal always to teach or was there something else that you were kind of after? Yeah, you know, it was, ever since I was younger, I kind of always liked yeah, you know, I like the give and take, you know, in the classroom, mm-hmm. and and I I guarantee it's you know from the experience that I had in the classroom, you know, like the like when you were a student, you exactly, mean? Yeah. yeah, like the kind of teachers that I like, I fell in love. There was this guy Fran Johnson, right, mm-hmm. in high school. He was the coolest guy. He's local, you know, local guy from the area. He was actually a member of Blackthorn, like one of the original members of Blackthorn, you know, wow. the Irish band. Yeah, um, fantastic guitar player, and I thought it was the coolest thing because he would bring his guitar into class, and he taught like history or, or I'm not, we taught. He taught Bible, but like it was like very, very specific. Like he was such like a he knew ancient Greek and yeah. Latin and stuff. Yeah. But he like he taught English. That was like his main thing. So he talk about you know literature and then be able to tie it into like the the scriptural like theology. Stuff. Yeah. I went to a Catholic high school, so it was very much um like tied in. And, and he, I thought he was the coolest dude ever. Mm-hmm. So then he played Jim Croce songs and like while he's waiting for this class to come <laughs> in, like just the coolest guy. You know, I still play some songs like you know cover songs that I really like that I learned from him. Man. Wow. Like, so that was the kind of thing. I thought like when I went to college, you know, I studied for a while and, and studied German and English, um, and I was like, man, I would love to be in the classroom. Like I feel like that's such a you know a vital thing. I know I know our society doesn't tend to to value. Um, Educators and the way that they theoretically or, or hopefully should, mm-hmm. and maybe they will someday. Yeah. Um, but for me, it always felt really like it felt rewarding when you walk out of a classroom and you feel like you've learned something that day that that you didn't know before, or that you've been that you've been kind of acknowledged. You know, like your your intellect's been engaged and you've been acknowledged as, as an individual, even if you're part of a collective as a group and as a class. So I just love that whole give and take. I really did. Um, and that led me on to do, you know, to study uh, language, really, um, and literature. Those are like the thing. You know, I love these things. I mean, they're, they're connected with music, you know. Yeah, I love right. music and I was going to ask, like, if there was, yeah. like, a specific, what was, what, were those things always interconnected, or did music come first, or did you have, like, a love for literature early on? No, I mean, I guess, I guess it was probably music first, you know, okay. like, when I was younger, I just always loved music, you know. And, but, but, I mean, if, if if anyone, you know, knows my songs, or hopefully you'll get to know my songs after chatting with me today, not not you, I mean the, 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 <laughs> the folks listening, I know you, yeah. know, you know my songs I pretty know well. I know a few. <laughs> um, but, you know, I write songs that are, that, that could be sometimes perceived as, you know, uh, as literary, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will, you know. I, yeah. had, I had a person uh, introduce me at, at, like, a So Far show recently, which is kind of what brought this whole interview along. Yes, so yeah. Full circle, you know, yeah. you, you were int- interviewing Carolyn Lederach, who's, like, the, the person who runs the, the So Far in Philly, and I was like, oh, God, I'd love to come on today. Anyway, but, uh, 
So this guy introduced me. He's like, yeah, he's like, you know, every every song is a thesis. And I'm like, that is a uh, brilliant perfect. concept, right? Quote that. Put that I, in my book. <laughs> I, I'm, I said to the guy, I was like, I'm stealing that, man. He's like, it's all yours, man. You're the one who gave me the idea. I was like, this this is why I love, like, the... Like, yeah. The, yeah. And, and in that regard, like... And I don't like that concept of, like, the sage on the stage kind of thing. Like, in the classroom, I find it to be a little bit presumptuous or yeah. just a little bit pedantic. Pretentious, maybe? Yeah, pretentious. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like that concept. But but there is a performative element of course, yeah. to the classroom. Like, you know, the, the way your banter you know, works with yeah. your students. Uh, uh, there's definitely something know? to be said about your enthusiasm and your, your level exactly. to draw people in. Because, I mean, you are – although although obviously the – not to demean not, – not to say that – the edu- not to say what you're doing is literally storytelling because you're educating people on specific topics, but like you are a storyteller in the sense that you're, right. tr- you're trying to bring these topics to life in a way that's going right. to engage young people. You're constructing the narrative. Yes, exactly. exactly. In which that person gains knowledge, right? Yeah. Like even if it's something as simple as like putting together a syllabus or something like, oh, we're going to read this thing first, then that thing, because mm-hmm. it builds upon one another. You know, it's the same thing as working working a crowd when you're yeah, playing a show, right. you know, and maybe it's that element that I like, that give and take with the crowd. You know, mm-hmm. like that engagement with the with the group, you know, and being able to tell weird, you know, humorous jokes, that, you know, that, that I find hilarious. Dad and, jokes, yeah, you know, and <laughs> Dude, the kids love dad and jokes. And there's something, yeah, exactly, right. <laughs> there's something perennial about like that performance, right, where you can kind of like tell the same joke to different audiences. Yeah. I tell the same jokes every year in my classes. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like because it's a different group of students. You know, there's, there's something, there's something perennial, you know, about mm-hmm. that, and I and I like that, and and I think I always did. So when I was in college, like the, my like the job that I always wanted to do, like after I you know left the university I was studying at, was like I would love to come back here and teach, you know. Yeah. And, and it wasn't really like that specific place because I'm actually back there teaching in that place, and I'm not that in love with it. But <laughs> but 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 the point was like it was that it was that that spark that I discovered, you know, like that that the the ability to to really latch on to like passion and 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 be able to express that passion even as a student you know to the professor or vice versa or you know in written format on a paper like that kind of thing and I, don't get me wrong like I don't love writing papers you know I don't sit around like, yeah right you know, like and I I struggle you know trying to publish now and that's a tricky thing but um, do you publish academic papers I, I do a little bit you oh know? wow not well, like specifically on language or, or uh, so I it's you know mostly German language literature yeah you know, that that I that I published on. Um, you know, I published a book. That's what you got your PhD yes, in, right? Yes, correct, okay. yeah. Right. Um, so I, uh, I've published a few things now. I'm working on some, I'm for, you know, some further publications, you know, partly derived from what I did for my dissertation. Um, but, yeah, so I published a little bit, you know, on top of the music stuff, you know, yeah, which, right. you know, that's its own different type of publishing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know, that, that the whole, like, I don't love sitting down and typing and writing, but, mm-hmm. but, but, the, but that kernel of where that ultimate, argument will come from that stuff i love man it's that it's like that seed that like that moment where you like it's that eureka moment you know yeah right wow that could be connected to so many things or this particular element runs through this story which also runs this through this author's you know things oh it's beautiful interconnection yeah intertextuality like and and that's the thing i love in music too right you know we're all standing on the shoulders of giants right right what bakhtin said right so you know 
all music is the same way. You know, it's all derivative in some regard. You know, hopefully it's not like in a negative. Of course, it's been inspired by inspired by yeah, inspired right. like decades and centuries exactly. of people. Yeah, and hopefully right. it's not too much cultural appropriation. But there is some of that. Of course, every yeah, song, it's inevitable to some degree. Yeah. Right, exactly. So I love that kind of intertextuality when you're using a specific phrase. Like, you know, has somebody else used that? Did the author know that when they were using it? Even myself, when I write, you know, I, there are phrases that I will use. You know, and I'll think about it. Like, I've heard that in a song someplace. Just right. a little snippet or the way in which two or three words are together. Like, it's such a cool intertextuality. And I, and to me, you know, I, I see it, you know, as as paying honor and homage to to the, to the you know, the, the, the those who came before, you know, and adding into that, you know, that song, right, that universal song that we're all part of. So yeah. it's that spark, man. It's that moment that, that, that I chase. Yeah. It really is, you know, and and that happens in the classroom or and on the stage, you know. There are two times that it happens, and and the funny thing is, man, and and my my world has become I hate you know I hate to say it like this, but like, you know, as I've gotten a little older, you know, I have kids now. Like, there's that moment with them too, you know what I mean? Like, and, and a lot of my world revolves around them, obviously, course, as, as yeah. it should, right? Um, but it's funny, I see that 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 current and all those things, you know. Like, there's that moment when my son or my daughter. They discover something or they latch on to something or I can teach them something that maybe I find to be profound. They're just starting to begin to understand the very basic essence of it. Yeah, the spark. Exactly, man. And that stuff fires me up. It really does. Not to be too... You know, literal with that pun. But yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it gets me excited. That's perfect. How do you, I, this is just something that's always interesting to me because as someone who I consider myself pretty high functioning, like doing this show, um, the work that I do with in social media, like marketing and like brand management and all that, it's very all over the place. Like it is a nine to five type gig, but yeah. it, it comes with me after work. You know right. what I mean? Like I'm working nights, I'm coming up with ideas in the shower, like I might be doing something over the weekend. Like it's all, it's all very scattered all over the the place sure. and then on top of that like i do this type of work and i do like the mc stuff for yeah. so far and i'm, I'm kind of like and you're a killer singer songwriter in your own right well i've kind of stepped back a little bit recently I know from have, that again man. you gotta get back out there i won't drag <laughs> you by your <laughs> by your beard hairs <laughs> i appreciate it maybe, maybe you will who knows um but yeah like just as someone like you know and yeah. you know me and i know you like i'm, I'm pretty high functioning just and and what i manage on and it doesn't i'm as an adult like i feel like i'm at a place where i've kind of I've reached a comfort, a comfortable level of, of being able to do these things without feeling like I'm killing myself, you know, right. but, but obviously just to other people, like I've had people even reach out or Twitter or whatever and be like, how do you do all this? Like I'm in high school or I'm in college. Like I'm, I can barely like concentrate on my work here. Like how do you manage all this stuff? So, I mean, like for you, like how was this kind of like balance between teaching and music and family was this like a learned thing or is this something that you've always been like high functioning and, and always no, busy i mean i've always been a kind of busy guy like i you know when i was in high school i used to crack myself up i was like you know i used to be in the in the concert band and the jazz band you know i was a uh, uh, on the honor roll so you're one of these time. guys just like you all know? star all over the place yeah <laughs> i played i played on the varsity football team you know wow and, and through shot put and was all you know all Catholic in you know band and sometimes yeah. sometimes in the shot put. No, I wasn't the greatest football player. Sorry, Coach Kalistra. Um, <laughs> yeah, they used to love this one guy. We had this Coach Willis. I used to screw up my blocking assignment because I was on the offensive line. I was the littlest guy on the offensive line. I was 185 pounds, soaking wet in high school. Now I wish I was how heavy I am now. I probably done better. But uh, <laughs> I had this one coach, this offensive line coach. That every time I screw up, block, he, he had this like this very subtle lisp in the uh-huh. way he spoke to. But he's a like, big, blonde-haired, 
muscly dude. And he would always go, God damn it, Hager. God damn it, Hager. God damn it, Hager. Like all the time, whenever I would screw something up, man. And like it happened way too often. And almost got to be a point where I was like, I almost like laughed when I would hear him say it. Yeah. But, you know, at that age, you don't, you know, you, you, you want to do well. You know, you want to be part of that one. Of course, team. yeah. So yeah, I always did. I always had that element, man. But, but it just, I guess, you know. I think the only the only way I can survive is like that. You know, I've had uh, and I, I can't announce the, the person's name, but I've had you know because they're a friend. Uh, but the, the first time they, they no, not the first time but after years and they got their degree in psychology and they were like, you, you know, you realize you do have ADHD, and I was like, mm. uh, that explains a <laughs> lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, yeah, because right. I've never been able to focus. On, it takes me like six months. You're to write all a, over the place to write one song. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like the fact that I put out albums whenever I do it's sort of like a mini miracle because mm. it took me three years to write all those songs on yeah, there yeah. because I write a, a line here and then I'll put it down for three months because I'm not in that mode but yeah it's a, it's a great question man I don't I don't know how how certain people do it because I don't even think myself as like super you know multitasking or high functioning however you want to classify mm-hmm. it um but I, I guess from the outside it might appear that way. But I think it's just my the way my brain works, and I'm yeah. like I'm into every little thing, you know. And and I think it's one of those things. It's like when you learn to juggle, you know. I can't juggle, but I, I think the way you learn it is by tossing like one ball. Up right. In the air, you right? start. You you add one, and you add <laughs> right. one. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I, th- I think that happens in life. You know what I mean? Like at least till you get to be a certain age. I mean, I imagine as you get to be a certain age, it starts going. You know those those. The balls in the air, so to speak. Of course, um, they start to you know drop off a little bit because you have less responsibilities and and you can only you know do so much as you get older. But I think I'm still in that part of my life where I'm adding things in and try at least trying to, you know, juggle more and more stuff. But it, it's it's I don't really have any like strategies that made me do. I think it's I think it's just the the way in which that some of us are are wired. You know, I, sometimes I wish I could sit down and like. You know, finish this publication I've been working on, or, or finish that song that I've been writing, right? Or, or like even just like you know, and my wife will attest to this, like finish a single task around the house, like <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I, I tore apart our bathroom like a couple of years ago, and she's like, I, "All right, you, this is your like challenge for 20, uh, 20 You've got to get this right? done. <laughs> you got to get this done in twenty fourteen because she knows I work really slow, so I tore it. I, I tore it apart, you know, down to the studs, and I wrote a song about it too. But um, the whole process, and like I just, <laughs> it got to the point this this like winter where she was like just had enough She's yeah like, that's it you're we're calling up we're getting you know, someone we're in calling here. up our brother-in-law <laughs> who is like a killer killer contractor uh you know he does stuff on the side as well as like he works for you know a, a, a construction company full-time too so he's like always oh, building stuff and doing stuff and like he you know banged it out in like a week and of, I was course. Like, <laughs> of course of <laughs> course oh man and, like, but that, that, that's the problem man. i would get into something and then you know that it's it's a weird thing man. i don't know I, I don't know how you know people do it you know like yourself or, or you know people who are in a lot of different yeah, areas i, I right. think you you know to be honest I, I think you fall into it you know like i i knew this guy one time his name brian henderson he's a christian brother and and he said like you know we have these like ideas about our lives as straight lines Right. And like you have this path that you want to walk. Um, but when you look back, it looks much more like a waltz mm-hmm. than it does like a straight. I walked from <laughs> of course, point A never to point straight. B. Yeah. You know, you're waltzing around it. You're doing these different things. And everything. I think that's just part of it, you know, and, and, you know. We'll put it this way, then, because you're talking we're talking about like busyness and like managing yeah. tasks and all that. But how about just 
pure energy output. Because mm. I mean, like in terms of like being a professor, like you were saying earlier, it's very linked, or it can be. It's very comparable to being a songwriter in the sense where yeah. you're putting you know hours of time, energy into this craft or this product, and then you have to present it, and you're you're, you're putting yourself out there. It's a high yeah. high energy output, and like and then, oh, okay, and then you have yeah. family. So then it's like you got you got kids, you got your wife. You so like how, them, yeah. how do you like? Do you ever feel burned out? Like how do you manage just the amount of like? Because we all have a cap. We all yeah, have a cap of how much right. we have in a day. So I mean, I, you know, I, I try to find balance wherever I can. You know, and and maybe that's, you know, I I <laughs> one of the things. Like I'm, I'm big. I, I love video games, and it's like who doesn't these days? You know, it's it's great. Like <laughs> I, I, I I mean, I, I love. I've always loved video games. I'm five years old. I remember getting. I was, I mean, I was, I'm older than you, but I remember getting at five years old when, when Nintendo first came out, mm. dude, was like, I got the first Nintendo and I was like, I, I remember like being so amazed by it. So enthralled with it. Anyways, that's one of my escapes. Yeah. So like I find time, you know, where I can carve out some time, like, and just escape into that world. Right. So I think that's for me, like I need, I need. That's, that's, a, that's, that's a great question, man. I, I need downtime. I need, yeah. like, ex, I need probably substantial amounts of downtime that other people probably don't you know like my wife she's very like focused and driven very intelligent um you know a doctor in her in her own right as well um you know but she can like sit down and like accomplish a task you know that's in front of her you know in like a reasonable amount of time and like with very minimal like you know distractions and stuff (laughs) yeah you know and but she doesn't um she doesn't require the same type of like downtime, mm. you know, her, her, her work's different, you know? And I think it's like, you know, the kind of the way that, that certain people, like they're just, they have certain acumen, right. Or the, yeah. cer- the certain, you know, parts of their personality that lead them and draw them to certain things, you know, like I'm, I'm not very handy, you know, I can understand and follow you when you tell me that, Oh, I did this piece of, you know, or this type of, of construction to build this type of thing. I can follow sure, that. Yeah, yeah. Man, but for me to go ahead and do it, it, it's a whole different thing. I would never find myself doing that or like even have the courage to do it, you know? Right. So it's 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 a funny thing. I may maybe I'm not answering the question, but but it's it's no, a, great. it's a bizarre kind of thing. We all kind of wind up finding things that suit us. Mm-hmm. Probably because we're interested in that stuff. And and the more you're interested in stuff you know, the, the more time you spend doing it, then you get better at it. And then someone from the outside is always like, how do you find time to do that <laughs> stuff? And, and it's almost like, what do you mean? I, I feel just, you know, like I'm I'm just doing what I always You've do. You've acclimated. You've always acclimated to like where yeah. you are in that current time. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, and maybe that's, maybe that's just a, that's a, that's a cop out answer. I don't know. But I mean, for me, that's, that's kind of the always way it's been. No, I don't know? think it is. I mean, like in terms of just myself, I would say also that like video games is one of those, like, it just helps me turn my brain off, you know, like I, and I go through spells of it. Like I remember last year I was coming out of just a chaotic time in like the social media world and I was sure. working like 70 hour weeks, 80 hour weeks, wow. um, like on and off, not like every single week, but it was just like a compounding amount of time where like my sleep schedule was pretty screwed up. And sure. I was bringing work home with me a lot. And I went through this like two or three month stretch where I, <laughs> I bought a, uh, a, um, what do you call it? A subscription to Xbox gold or whatever it is, mm-hmm. like a live account. And it started playing Halo, which I hadn't played in like, <laughs> long time, yeah, bro. like a lo- like 10 years or so like wow. longer than 10 years probably. And, uh, started playing this thing, like just like to blow off steam for a couple of days. Yeah. And then it became like 
a literally almost like a meditation, like a necessary component sure. to my daily rhythm because it helped like literally reset my brain. Like I was at the point where I was just working so much. This was the only thing I could do where work was far away. Like cause even like I'm sitting down watching TV, I could always check my phone. Sure. I could be on my laptop doing things while I watch TV. And like I always have this temptation to like keep working when right. it's busy like that. So the video game just forced me to yeah. turn everything off like I shut the outside it's like literally like a meditation except instead of focusing on your breath or something I'm like killing people in a game <laughs> but like but you know so I, I definitely think there's something to that like it's yeah, like some it's people sure. yeah and some people like your wife maybe like they're either more like there, it might be a demeanor thing. Like some people are more just level and like yeah. more balanced naturally with like their day to day, like media consumption and their and their um their patterns of behavior. But someone like me, at least, like I'm so prone to burnout sure. and to just like be like so, similar to you. I don't know if I'm ADHD, but like I'm I am scatterbrained to a degree. Like right. like you, I have like a thousand projects going on at once, yeah. and I'm like, let me try this, let me try this. Like I'll write this blog, like I'll I'll edit this podcast, sure. I'll work on this project here, and yeah, it's just uh. Those those little things to help turn me off definitely keep the rhythm alive. <laughs> yeah, and and they they let you you know they let you recompose yourself. They let you you know decompress. You know let those yeah. let the creative juices flow it again. You know once you once you get out of that. You know, um, and, and I'll go in waves with it too. You know sometimes I'll be playing a lot, and sometimes I won't. You yeah, know, it depends same. on what time right. of year. You know what's going on. Um, but yeah, it's it's always been something I really really find. You know that there's always like I said like I said deep decompresses me allows me to escape a little bit because yeah i don't i don't i don't sleep exceptionally well you know i mean i sleep okay you know but i don't think i need as much time like sleeping as other people do like i i, I can function on less sleep to, yeah. than, than certain yeah. people like i know some people that need to get their eight hours they don't get their eight hours man they're just right. not happy like you know right. I, and i i routinely function on like five well that's that's amazing you know what i mean i, I know this guy I used to be really really good friends with this guy jason um growing up and he's probably he's around your age i think and he has this like I forget. Oh, damn it. I forget what it's called. It's like a specific disorder where okay. he's part of like restless leg syndrome. <laughs> no, yeah, right. <laughs> he, he's part of like 0.001% of the world that has this where he, his body only requires two hours of sleep a night. Wow. And it's like, he's had it since he was a baby. Like he's so it's, Bless his parents. Like, yeah, right. like oh he used God. to tell me all these stories about it, and like he, he he physically can't. Like he says he can nap during the day, but like on like a night's sleep or whatever, he like will just naturally his body just wakes him up. Like wow. he can't sleep more than that, or like on average more than that, I should say. And like just he would always tell stories growing up with like his brother and how like the middle of the night, like he just read like every book, played every video game, and it was like almost like a curse because like he had all this time, but like everyone else would be asleep. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And his schedule was always crazy. But yeah, it's interesting. Like we all, it's total tangent. But yeah, we all have like a uh, different propensity, I guess, for for those energy outputs. You but, know. But that's that's what makes things beautiful. At the same time, it's like you know, we all want to be like you know, successful in all the same areas, right? Mm -hmm. But but like, and maybe it's like, maybe it's something that that we have to come to the awareness of. And I I certainly am still always coming to the awareness of this because I'm never you know 100 happy with where I'm at. Actually, I'm not very happy a lot of times where I'm at, um, you know, with success or, or, you know, creativity or whatever the thing might be, but maybe it's like a, you know, a process. And I'm just kind of thinking out loud here really is, you know, that 
that it's kind of like an acceptance thing, right? That you can only accomplish so much. You can only be so, you know, you, you have to kind of accept the things that you're, that you are good with and, and the things that, you know, also at the same time inspire you, you know, you kind of have to like yeah, find right. the, the things that turn you on, you know, find the things that, that it's, that, that gets you excited, which is what, one of the first things I always tell my students. I'm like, if you're here studying business, that's great. Do you really love business though? Like, if you love business, that's great. You should be studying that, you know. But if you love, you know, weird, you know, digital art stuff, go make that digital art, man. You right. Know? Go, go, you know, be in nursing if you if you like it, you know, if that's if that's your thing, if it, if it fires you up, you know, because that's going to make you the best version of yourself. Yeah. You know, if you have that passion. And I, maybe, that's, maybe that's what I can go on it is that I have a lot of passion, I feel like, you know, for different things. Yeah. Well, jumping back to that idea of like you're kind of you're, you're existing in like a sort of glass half four, half empty state of, of not being fully happy and not being fully content. Yeah. Like, do you find that that's a, a element that drives you toward more success and more passion or is it at the point where it kind of reaches a detriment and kind of takes away from your process it's tricky you know when it comes to like the yeah that's a great that's a great question man when it, when it comes to creativity it definitely helps me it drives me mm-hmm. because i always want to create something new. Yeah, you don't want to be content all the time right you, you can't create when you're completely exactly content. and sometimes i'm like the most bummed out about where i feel like i am or you know, where I wish my songs were or something like that, you know, or like I don't have any new original ideas, you know, think about in terms of like this, you know, book I just read or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's those moments that I'll be driven to think of something that, that works or like, you know, that I'll push myself, try, you know, I'll sit down, you know, with the guitar and try to figure out a new, a new thing that I want to try and play or this, that, and the other, you know, it, those are, those are like, there was for, in that area, the, the never satisfied kind of thing is very helpful, which, yeah. you know, I think that's how, yeah, when, especially when you're struggling, you're, you're trying to create something great, you know, that's, those are the moments that creativity really comes alive. Mm-hmm. I'm of the opinion, though, that that feeling of, of discontentedness or dissatisfaction or whatever the, whatever the word we is that, that we choose for it can be a real hindrance when it comes to, like, performance you know what i mean like and and so like for me you know the creativity abounds when i when i when i'm not feeling really particularly inspired by myself you know what i mean like um you know the creativity goes up but then i don't feel as you know i don't feel as driven to like you're not as empowered yeah exactly that's what it is you know i don't or I, i i don't always feel that they go like hand in hand like the more creative you are the more success you're going to have. It's a weird kind of thing. Yeah, like it's, it's, right. a, it's like a supply and demand thing, right? Where you have all the creativity, but you're not seeing the success. But as your success rises, your attention is taken <laughs> away from that. You're more, yes, you're more complacent. Yeah, yes. And your drive to create gets lower. I mean, look at like every band has a great first album. Not every band, but a lot of bands have these great first albums, right? And then they get that sophomore slump. Right. Because they have that success, you know? And it's funny. You can look at, you can look at bands that have like killer first albums, really poor second albums, killer third album, really poor fourth album. You know, it, it kind of bounces yeah. back and forth. And I think it's like the natural circadian rhythm of, of creativity um, and, and, and dissatisfaction therein, you know, yeah. right? because it's such a weird thing. And, and to the non-creatives in the world who just, who, who don't have that um, creative aspect, I envy you, you know what I mean? <laughs> because there's so much I would be rather be happy with, um, 
you know, but then it's funny. People could look from the outside. You know, it, it, it's a weird thing. You know, when you're in the moment, it's always hard to see it. But that's that's my opinion. Yeah. So the dissatisfaction is very helpful for creativity, but it's not so helpful for empowerment, like yeah. you were saying. Exactly. It's sort of like a dance. It's, it's a similar dance to uh, just like in, in general how artists are constantly going back and forth on their how they maneuver their ego because i mean like to be an artist at on one level like you have to have a super strong ego to to want to create and to right. want to put something into the world and like ex- and almost expect that people are going to accept right, it right. you know what i mean yeah. but then at the same time like you balance that ego with like your self hatred it's like it's like it's both sides of the same coin because you know that where these songs or where this uh, like art or where this passion is coming from is typically a place of, you know, despair or yeah, breakup or, or something, yeah, angst yeah. or whatever it might be. So it is like a, it's a similar dance where I think some people it could be easy for like say say a person to to create the the product out of angst, but then when it comes to performing the product, then you're still caught in that angst and you can't really feel empowered. But then yeah, to others who master it, they can. They can like summon the yeah. angst and then get on stage and be this like you know all encompassing yeah. presence or something. I, and, and those people they they boggle my mind. Yeah, they're the masters. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, but but maybe that's one of those things that that for me and you right now, look, looking at that, maybe it's one of those situations where it's like, wow, how do they do that? But they might be there saying, well, you know, it's that that's balls true. in the air that's thing. That's so true. Once you get you know, habituated to anything. You know, my dad says, if you hang long enough, you get used to that too. Mm. You know, yeah, <laughs> it's a, a very, good... very dark way I to like look at the world. Though. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it's kind of true. You know, habituation plays such a huge role. You know, like how do we, how do we, you know, how do you manage certain things? How do you survive certain aspects or parts of your life? Well, you, you do because you you kind of get used to it. You know, right? And and, and that's not to trivialize you know, any type of trauma or, or horrible event course, in someone's life. But, but it seems sometimes that some people who shoulder some of the heaviest burdens, they just, they start to, you know, they habituate to it, which, and yeah. then once they lose that burden, you know, obviously there's a lot of, lot of pain and, and suffering that's connected with it. Um, you know, and, and you never really lose that stuff, I don't think, but, but you survive it. You know, yeah. I mean, you kind of you learn how to process it in different ways and manage it and balance it. Or at least you, ho- I hope that that one would survive because obviously, you know, we live in a very tenuous. No, world. it's true. It's true. It's it's always so interesting talking about these like topics in, in the sense of suffering in that realm because right, yeah. because there's always there's like rules and exceptions and there's a spectrum of everything in between sure. and it's sure. like it is tough to. It's like you want you want to get on the stage, or, or you want you want someone to get on stage, like a, a Tony Robbins or Gary Vee type motivational life right, coach figure, yeah. and be like, you know, you can pull yourself out of anything, or whatever. But we all know people who haven't. You know, we yeah, know people exactly. who have committed suicide or or, yeah. or fallen to suicide, and or or have been struggling with lifelong mental illnesses sure. and all that. So we know there's there's cases of people who aren't able to to get out of that darkness but we we still cling to the narrative the yeah. the hopeful narrative that even those people like you you could be 45 or 65 and there's still a level of hope that you can exactly. pull yourself out of yeah it. I, mean, I mean i'm hoping that that's there you know yeah i, yeah, I mean i get that really is up you know that maybe that's the old eternal optimist in my yeah you know self and, and it's funny because i'm like the most pessimistic person you ever met <laughs> but you know deep down like i believe that you know, I want to believe. We're somewhere this way. We're somewhere this way. I want to believe people are essentially good. <laughs> I want. I want to believe. You know that. You know, 
Daenerys Targaryen oh. didn't, didn't do what she just had to do. I, I hope it's not a spoiler. This no, point, I love it. No, no, it won't I mean, be. Yeah. Can't, can't, can't spoil it now. Right? It's all over. Yeah, right? but, exactly. But you know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to believe that in the heart of hearts. You know, mm-hmm. but like even though like I'm the first one to be like, yeah, of course it happened because you know, <laughs> you know, I studied I studied you know German literature. You know, it can be very. It's very. You know, it can be dark very at times. Dark, yeah. You know, so I. It's funny, you know. People are, are are dichotomies, man. The more the more people I get to know, man, the more people I realize, or the more I realize about people that, you know, like the, the world wants to paint, and we want to paint things in black and white, man. Yeah. But it's such a gray thing, man. And that, and that article you just published the other day, man. I I, I sat there and read the entire thing. Oh, the, the political identity. Yeah, article? and it told me it's gonna take me thirty eight minutes to do it. <laughs> And I'll tell you it's what, a commitment. Nathan, it damn near did. <laughs> I sat there and read and read and read and read and read. I mean, you got really into it, man. But you're so right, right? Because there are the, you know, we want to believe that we're just right and left. Yeah, right. That we're just red and blue. That we're just black and white. You know what I mean? And it's, that is the biggest myth, you yeah. know what I mean, of the entire universe. You know what I mean? Yeah, people are so complicated. I mean, that in writing that article, it was really... It was a culmination to me of just uh, like compiling all these different ideologies. I was talking to um, to this to this guy recently on another podcast about this and just how I kind of approached the the content itself because I, I didn't approach it as like oh I'm just gonna like one month randomly start researching all these different like political subgroups or whatever. Like I had come to a lot of those subgroups from over the past decade or so right. on my own terms. So like I had like this weird insider in a way perspective to some of it where like I think it's easy easy the older we get and like the more like settled into wherever we land on the spectrum to kind of point to the other points of the spectrum and be like oh like they're that way and then we kind of like mischaracterize and like we don't really we don't we don't really want to understand i mean like and i think in large degree like there's there can be good reasons for that like some of it might be like evolutionary like some like self-preservation like whatever it might be but like for me personally from like being inside some of these camps it gave me like a a a few lenses to be like okay like this is where people who believe in this are coming from this is where people who believe in this are coming from and i think the 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 biggest takeaway from there's a lot of takeaways but one of the biggest ones for me was just that like there is a relative right and a left that we can we can ca- you know categorize and i think that makes sense because the types of people that like pull are pulled into those different categories like tend to have different temperaments like they, they tend to have different um not even just life experiences but just different ways of looking at the world mm-hmm. and i think that is like the most key thing to to seek to understand in, in like the quote-unquote the other right when we right, try right. to like figure someone else out because i mean in a lot of these cases like you said i mean it's very very simple and it's very binary like our brains like that binary like tribal like they are this way i am this way and when you actually get into it and you start to realize some of like the more nuanced differences between people within the political parties then it's like your world kind of opens up and it's like man like this is way more complex than i thought it was and like these people have like actual reasons like even if i don't like those reasons or even if i think those reasons are morally wrong they have i can understand where those reasons reasonings come from and that's the only place like if you ever want to change someone's mind or ever like have a true conversation have a true conversation that's the place you have to reach like you can't start from the place of this person is bad this is why they're bad like you have to start from the place like why do they think what they think yeah you know what i mean so that was like the biggest motivation, I think, behind it. Like, I was just trying to, really trying to put myself in other people's shoes, even though, of course, I'm coming to the table with my own biases and sure. and level of, you know, experience, but, yeah. Yeah, no, but, I mean, I, and I like that so much about that article, man. It was really great because it, it didn't, it didn't, you know, it doesn't let people rest 
on their laurels, you know, and just kind yeah. of say that this is the way the world is, you know, but, but rather, you know, you, you really embrace that notion of nuance and complexity and, and, and gray, you know, it's, it's, it's not black and white, you know, the world is gray, you know, there's things that, that we would like in a heart of our hearts to believe that this is right and wrong, man. But, you know, honestly, that comes down to your conditioning, right, your, right. your, your sphere of influence and who's influenced you, you know, the, where you're from, you know, you know, who you, who you know, and you're in your, you know, extended circle, you know, that, that all this stuff, man, it, it plays a huge role. So, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a unique thing. I applaud that article. It's great, man. People really need to, to, to latch on to that concept and, Thanks, and to be a little more, you know, accepting of that other, you know, just yeah. so we can have those conversations. Or at least start there. You know what I mean? At least, but yeah. I think there's always going to be like major differences and like, yeah, you're going to retreat to your side of course, at some like, point. Yeah. yeah. But at least if you can start the conversation that maybe that maybe we all can kind of come together a little bit, you know, right. maybe not be as, as tribal or as, you know, partisan or, you know. Well, to touch on that, I mean, like you use the word condition, like we're all kind of conditioned to, to yeah. be a certain way. I mean, to kind of go back to what you were saying a little earlier about just how like you kind of get into these habitual rhythms in life and the older you get, you kind of lock into those, yeah. those pathways. I mean, I think something I'd be inter- interested to hear what you think about this, something I've been thinking about more recently is just the, the idea that, you know, as life kind of becomes way more just I don't want to say complex is like life's always getting more complex but I mean like in terms of how the internet specifically and like newer technologies have brought all of our like the global attention to like Mm -hmm. a streamlined device and and like kind of like hive mind like we're all on Facebook we're all on Twitter we're all on Reddit YouTube name your platform we're all playing these video games like we we can kind of connect to people from all over the world and very you know the blink of an eye and it's all it's all very centralized and part of me looks at just the kind of like habitual nature of whatever you want to call it. I mean, you could call it like the capitalist system, the consumerist system, like the kind of the kind of direction that all this is moving in and it feels like a lot of um, the the patterns of behavior that have been like kind of newly introduced with the internet, like the kind of streamlined services like Amazon and, and Reddit and YouTube it's and all this individualistic. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's very um, it's very it it makes us more prone, I think, to just like falling in line with like our thinking because like everything's spoon fed to us at this point. Mm, like we yeah. can kind of we can kind of get into our own. The term is so overly used at this point, but like it really is it like an echo chamber? Like you kind of create your own customized world online where you're fed what you want and you can kind of just get what you want and then you just c- continue with your day. And I think a lot of that has led to just like the disenfranchisement. I, I shouldn't say that. Let me, let me reframe it. It hasn't led to it. Other like systemic factors, you know, what may, may it be in the education system, may it be in the political or economic systems and all that, which are causing like, you know, income inequality and like student sure. loan debt and like uh, like climate change. Name name your issue. Like all, all, whatever the thing might be that is causing some type of existential turmoil, like immigration, race relations, whatever. Like all these things are kind of compounded with the internet. Sure. Then the internet creates this like habitual pattern where we're all locked into like what we want to know. So then when it comes to actually changing, like when it comes to actually being healthy individuals, like going back to what we were talking about earlier, just like living a balanced life, right, and right. overcoming like the uh, the adversity and like the feelings of inadequacy or whatever someone might be going through, 
it becomes way, way more difficult to do that now because now we're like, we have all these mainstream conglomerate distractions like Netflix, like Amazon, sure. like YouTube that we're kind of siphoned in to this very streamlined world that keeps us all numb. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, do you have any thoughts on like, just like how, how people nowadays may be uh, like struggling to maybe even see a lot of the stuff we're talking about because it's like, you know, they're, they're so trapped in that cycle of just like habitually waking up, check phone, check favorite websites, right. go to work, go to school, then like sit in their existential dread about right. like their debt or their yeah. poverty or whatever it might be. Whatever and their then, issue is. Yeah, yeah, and then go right back into the escapism and it just kind of creates like a yeah, perpetual yeah. cycle. It's funny, the more we've come together as, as you know, as a internet community or, or you know, how however much the promise of the internet was to bring us together. <laughs> it was all alive. I, I, I just ha I have some certain reservations, right? Yeah. You you know, <clears throat> prior to, I mean, I'm sure, I don't know, I'm not a scholar in this area, but I could, but I can say this much. It seems to me that, that the internet has this weird thing of making us together and isolated Absolutely. at the same exact time. So then, then, then you get really interesting stuff happening, which is always where I find it to be. Talk, talk about, talk about conditioning, right? Where people can finally say this stuff. That they really want to say. It was always say, there. Like they always thought it. Yeah, they always felt it. But they it. don't have to worry about it because they're not sitting yep. in a classroom with these people. Yeah. They're not sitting on the bus with these people. They're not in a public space where we've kind of accepted this. These are, these are general rules of decorum that we shall not, you know, cross over. Although right. we have people crossing those all the time now in, in high places of office and wherever else. You know, <laughs> I, I'm not casting any names or disparaging comments about anybody. But what I'm saying is the Internet allows you to, to be anonymous even if you put your name on it, like, cause you're allowed to say it. In the well, even if it's not anonymous, you're behind a screen. It's right. very safe. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're in a comfort zone, man. You know, where, where you can talk about, you know, how you dislike, you know, LGBTQ, you know, communities or what you dislike about this particular racial group or, you know, ethnic minority or whatever it is, mm -hmm. or your, your own particular religious beliefs and yeah. how this, that, and the other, or, or, you know, what women should do with their bodies. And I don't mean to sound like a, a, a you know, bleeding heart liberal, but I, I have a problem with the lack of civility in those kind of conversations mm -hmm. because of that gray area, man, you don't not, you do not know the struggles that someone else is going through the reasons and, and complexities behind their decisions. Right. So what I think the internet does is it gives mouthpieces yeah. to people who ordinarily don't have them. And that's a weird, weird thing, right? Because it, it, it changes power dynamics, right? So you go to your average classroom, right? And you kind of hear a lecture or you have a conversation in, in a group. Again, these rules of decorum, kind of hold us or maybe not hold us back, but they, they, they kind of ensure that that they're that the that the fringe kind of stays on the fringe. Yeah, it helps it helps glue together civilized society. Right. Where we're yeah, not literally trying society. to kill each other at all yeah. times, right? Because one person in the room has this crazy idea and they can rally a couple people who are maybe somewhat like minded. Uh -huh. But they thought, oh that's brilliant. That person can actually speak their mind. Let's get behind this th on the internet, man, I feel like people can get behind this stuff and and and, and make these comments and everything. Me, I'm always too scared to make any comment because I'm always scared <laughs> to give my email address because I don't want to get a virus from somebody. You know? <laughs> I don't want to get fished or nothing like that. You know, so, you know, I, it's a weird thing, man. I, 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 I find it to be very, you know, I, I don't know if that answers your question, but that, that's where my mind goes when we start no, talking right. about those kind of things. I feel like we are together in a way that we never have been before.
you know, that we have we have access to information that is really at times troublesome, right? You know, it, but at the same time, now everybody becomes an expert, right? Well, frame okay, <laughs> perfect. So frame it this way then, as an educator, yeah. like when you look at this, I mean, obviously, and I've had this discussion with a few different people who work in in fields like journalism or whatever, and it's like one thing the internet did is it destroyed for better or worse, the barrier to entry to these fields. Yes, I mean, like now, yes. it's, like you said, it's not just, it's not just professionals in these, in these voices or the, who have these voices. It's anybody who has a computer or phone, yeah, or whatever. It empowers. And it, it empowers. Does. Yeah. So, so obviously like there's a degree of positive nature that comes with that. Like yes. it's, it's given, you know, certain like minorities and people who previously would, or even just like, you know, random kids from random areas who maybe wouldn't have at, had an opportunity to get like a traditional education, but are super smart and gifted. Sure, now sure. they have an opportunity. So that's like the one, side of the coin but then the other side of the coin is obviously misinformation now there's no like hierarchy to where you know to or i should say this is a hierarchy there's no like yeah there's no hierarchy of credibility for where the information is like you have a phd right. you're a college professor you're an academic right. you, you write these papers but like on the internet you are on like this level playing oh, field yeah. with just joe schmo so like yeah. how do you how do you compare those two things or whatever <laughs> it's it's really hard <laughs> at times man you know and and it's funny you mentioned that right because it it does it does equalize us right yeah. in in ways that is it's beautiful but at the same time terrifying mm-hmm. you know what i mean and like it's funny you mentioned that man i wrote this song a little while ago about google right i, I, yes, I think yeah, you played play it for me yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. right it's about you know it's 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 a song right um and i have to give credit where credit's due it's it was an episode of the freakonomics podcast which mm-hmm. is really great cool, podcast awesome podcast shout out to them maybe they'll sponsor you you know um <laughs> but um yeah, so they had this guy on talking about how we don't lie to Google. We lie in every every aspect of our lives. Little white lies, big, you know, you know, cardinal sin kind of lie. We do them all, you know. We have every kind of thing. But we the one place we don't lie is when we type something into the Google search bar, man. And that's 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 profound, right? Because people who are otherwise scared to ask questions can now ask those questions. They go to their doctor to talk to them about you know, some mysterious rash that they have, which comes up in the song. Uh, yeah, you know, I was like, going to say. <laughs> but, but, you know, it, you, you, know you, 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 you get paralyzed by, by, by social stigma and, and all these things, you know. And I think it's a, a beautiful thing that the, that the Internet can empower that truth. The problem with that is the lack of credibility, like you pointed out, right? There's a, there's a vulnerability in truth, right? Because... Truth requires an investment. It truth requires that we seek it out. You know what I mean? That you really look for it and seek it out. Right. Right. But there's so much possibility now that we can get stuck in these channels, these avenues, you know, whatever you want to call it. We don't want to call it an echo chamber if we don't want to, but but you can, you can easily find the information that you want to find. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can find similar voices, which is exactly what it's beautiful about building community on the internet. My problem is I don't have any time or patience for hate. You know what I mean? I don't have any time or patience for things that, that go against the laws of physics, like flat worlds. Yeah. You know, I, I was going to say, you're describing the birth of the flat earth movement. But this is the, this is yeah, the thing, right? right? Previously, this probably would not have been a, a thing. Of course, right? without you the know? internet. Yeah. But, but now that there are people, you know, oh, I thought the same thing. You know, I can see pretty far where I live in, in Iowa looks flat or wherever I live. It looks pretty flat. <laughs> I live on the coast, you know, in, in Jersey, and I can see pretty damn far, and it looks flat. Yeah. You know, so then you get other people saying the same thing. Well, of course it's flat, you know, and then... 
you know, Joe Schmo with this, you know, little bit of information can bastardize it, and then there's no one there to check it. There's no, there's no verification. There's no vetting yeah, no process. Safeguards, yeah. Right. So, again, truth is something we have to seek out, and we have to, we have to put our faith in it and believe in it. But I, I'm scared with the ability to put our faith in things that are clearly detrimental to, to organize society. Right. You know what I mean? And it sucks because there's no, like, I've, this is, I've spent a bulk of this podcast, like in the guests yeah. I've had on talking <laughs> about this specific topic. Cause it seems to interest everybody from all walks of life. Like yeah. everybody kind of approaches it at a different, different angle. Way, yeah. yeah but, it, but it hits all of us. And I think it's fascinating because to your point about, you know, like no one is like an authority on any of these given areas, like of say like Reddit or YouTube or wherever. And, it's, and we're trapped in this weird, like you said, it's kind of like a dichotomy where part of us wants that, like part of us wants, whether it be the government or some type, some form of regulation, like uh, whether it's like self-imposed or government imposed, whatever it might be. We don't even these, want it sometimes. We expect it. Yeah. Times, you know? Right, we right, right. It, you know? Well, we, we, we look at certain communities online, right. like on Twitter or, or, or YouTube, where we think like, well, that seems like it needs like some type of moderation. And sure. then, but then we think like, wait, like sh- th- there's other communities that thrive like completely on their own. Like they el- almost elect their own moderators, like Facebook groups, like private right. Facebook groups right, or right. R- subreddits on Reddit or whatever it might be. So it's this weird thing where in those cases, like I feel like we've never, it, it feels like an impossible task of like caught in between these two like hyperbolic things. It's like you have like the free speech absolutists who are like no moderation let people do whatever they want and obviously obviously that leads to chaos that's like anarchism <laughs> like essentially it's just like no government nothing like let's just r- let the whole thing run wild but then on the other side it's like let's just regulate it but then we all know that if it was just purely regulated it would probably ruin yeah, a lot of those spaces we'd so. be banning youtube like yeah, they do exactly. in some countries around the world yeah you know? so, exactly like tons of countries just censor all these like major social media right. websites so it's like what is the balance between you know like having some level of safeguard like some level of like astute you know prestigious like even if like we've kind of like broken down these barriers of like these higher learning like higher academic authorities in these different areas but like we need them to like to reel back a lot of these areas where we've just completely lost the plot and it's just i think that that point you're making is is exceptionally you know important because you know we all want to be like the 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 couch psychotherapist, or the or, or 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 the couch, you know, physician. Yeah. We're like, oh, I'm gonna. Well, Google. we want to solve the problem. I'm gonna Google yeah. this this hangnail. <laughs> it looks like it's infected. Yeah. How do yeah. I know it's infected? Oh, well, it hurts. I have a slight fever, and there's a red line running up my leg. It's gotta be an Web infection. MD. You know, WebMD, right? <laughs> so, I mean, but, but these are the, the the bizarre things because regardless of what happens, whether you diagnose it yourself or not, there's still a gatekeeper that you have to go to if you want to get treated properly right. i would think but when it comes to when it comes to things like you know like back to your the, the article you wrote like political opinion yeah just ideas in general right. like there's, ideas there's yeah. no one there to tell you that this is valid or not you know we 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 you know we kind of have have embraced that element of of of, of free will anarchy if you will like, yeah you know, to coin a phrase right um you know, it's 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 something that we we cherish and, and you know, because we can find that voice is similar to ours. But the problem, you know, the problem with that is it, and, and that's when you get, you know, extremists on both ends of the spectrum. And and I don't have, you know, I, I try not to suffer too many fools in my life, you know, and that could be on either side of that aisle or that spectrum or you in know? the middle. You know, yeah, I just, you know, I. <laughs> 
I really, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's true. But um, <laughs> yeah, they could be anywhere. You know, it, it's it's it, but it's, you know, I I want to go back to that 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 concept of of we have to, you know, or I, I hope you know, this is again my, my eternal optimism. I hope that people will will kind of hope, you know, that that, they, that they'll see through at some point that 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 you know illumination. You know that that this moment will will, will uh, happen where, they, where things will will cl- you know, clarify, right? There there will be this, you know, this moment of, of of clarity that will come out of it because they've sought the truth, right? I'm I hope that's in in everyone's psyche, you know, almost as human beings. Maybe maybe that maybe we're not wired for that though. Maybe evolutionarily we're not. I, these are big questions, Nathan. I don't <laughs> I don't know, man. I wish I could answer it for you and then yeah. moderate all the yahoos. Of course, don't. But- <laughs> Uh, everything you're saying is factually correct. The podcasts are like they're 100 percent like fact based. Right, right. No, but but like I think to, to yeah to, to what you're saying there. I mean, I think as as an educator, I mean, like when you look at just how like I, I guess using your framework of the education system, like sort of in contrast to the internet, yeah, because like sure. the education system is one of the classic institutions where there are gatekeepers, right. there are people of authority. It's like, how do you feel? Oh, so okay, as one about, of those quote unquote peoples of authority. Yeah, I watch. I watch the institution of of higher education be eroded day by day. Mm. Right, it's being eroded. Yeah, whether we acknowledge it or not, most people don't want to hear about this. But the, the the degree you have from whatever university you have does not mean as much as it did sixty years ago. Right, and one of the reasons is the people we give those that authority to, those gatekeepers, so to speak, they are no longer enfranchised by the institution they work for. Sixty mm. percent of, of of people uh, teaching college classes across our country are adjuncts, and I'm an adjunct. I mean, I, I, I'm like a glorified adjunct. I teach three classes a semester at, at this particular institution I work at. And, you know, it's a lib- small liberal arts institution right here in Philadelphia. You know, it wouldn't be too hard to figure out which institution that is. You can probably Google me. It's probably up there, right? But my, get my, you fired, bro. Yeah, I'm an adjunct, man. <laughs> right. I, what, what am I going to get fired from, We're going to protest you, right? <laughs> Do something. I, I, I'm going to get fired from a non-existent contract, yes, right? Yes, exactly. Or they're going to take away from yep, me yep. my non-existent health care. Yeah. Or, or the non-existent element that is all the benefits that I would ever want to be, a, you know, to talk about financial and or, you know, life satisfying elements of, of being an educator, you know, like protections from, you know, f- w- against people criticizing my freedom of, of thought, like right. all the things that we valued in tenure, right. That, that, that now don't exist anymore because tenure track positions at universities are disappearing. Mm. The authority, the gatekeepers, the true folks who, who do this thinking for us and, and, or at least that we look to, to say, well, what do they think? The Noam Chomsky's of the world, right. Mm. You know, um, these are the, you know, the folks who are, who are slowly being eroded. Yeah. You know, um, you got your degree from Harvard, wherever you went. I don't know where you went, you know, but, but I'm saying I'm, this is hypothetical, but you know, wherever you went to your degree is only, you know, in my opinion, worth as much time as you spent with people who the university deems to be those, to be those gatekeepers, those real true people. Maybe I have an ax to grind. I don't know. But, but, but my, my, my biggest problem with that, that kind of stuff, you know, is, is that, is there's a lack of ultimate responsibility because these adjuncts, like myself, I'm an adjunct. I am exploited. I'm exploited. Right. You know, the, the my my time is not worth the unit to the university the same as someone who's a tenured faculty, you know, or tenured or even a full time staff member who teaches mm-hmm. the same program. They're paid far better. So where's is, where's is, where's my ultimate 
you know, and I, I think that I'm, I'm pretty diligent in my work, but at some point, right, you have, you probably have to beg the question of why universities struggle with things like retention. Well, how much, you know, how much contact have they had with people who are also retained by the the institution, right? Well, yeah. if, if they've only had 40% contact, right, with those folks, well, what's their likelihood of staying at that institution, right? Right. You know, it's these, not great. Exactly. So these people who hold the keys, right, the, these gatekeepers of information, you know, they're they're myself in many regards. And, and, and you know, and. I, I question, you know, and the, my own motivations. You know, I question them, you know, when I when I'm not supported by the place I work for, when I'm not, you know, you know, and and that's that's across the country, man. That's, I was going to say it's yeah. a national rate, sixty percent. When did when do you think this uh, erosion started in the education system uh, or in the I university mean, specifically? It's just been happening across the board. I mean, what's what's been happening is that universities are continuously forced to to meet a bottom line. They're no longer. I mean, and and and. You know, if you look at other institutions around the world, you know, high, of higher education, you know, uh, you know, obviously our most common comparison would be to Canada and to to Europe, right? Well, in the Europe, the European situation, we have a a pretty much a state-funded university situation, so people pay very little to go to those institutions, a very small amount of professors who teach there, um, but if you teach there, you're more or less protected by the institution, or they sign off on your abilities. Yeah. Um, but for, in, in the Americans, you know, scheme, I like to call it a scheme because higher education anymore is a, is a problematic thing and it's a, it's a bubble and there will be a burst of this bubble. Um, and it's a scheme because we've, we've told people that the only way to true success in this new world that we have, this is post, probably post World War II, this world where we're, we're, we're now becoming this consumer Society, we're 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 a service-based society. We're, we don't manufacture the way we once did. You know, how do you get ahead? You go to school, you go to college. That's the only way to true success. Look at every high school in in the the, the local area, right? They're obsessed with a big number. Yeah, it's their acceptance to college. How many, number. Yeah, exactly. How many kids did they get to college? Yeah. What should that matter? You know what I mean? Ultimately, as a society, we should be sending our best and brightest to the institutions. And the other folks should be going into different types of labor and different right. types of, of things. But we've done away with all our vocational schools. Yeah. We've done away with all of our trade schools, f- for the most part. You know, we've, we've told those people that, that they should try to go to college. And we, we frown upon that guy who wants to turn pipe right. for a living. You know, a lot of them are getting left behind then. And, right. Yeah. And that whole thing. And, and, and I have a real problem with that. I have a real problem with that because I, I, I feel like we need every type of person in society. We don't, we don't need 100% college graduates. We need, people, we need people who like to, to, to build things. We need people who like to, to serve people. We need people who like to, to solve you know, you know, mathematical problems. We're just problems. entrepreneurs. People that start Entrepreneur, businesses. We, we, and, need, yeah. we need all kinds of people, man. But if you tell everyone they need to go to the university and get this sheepskin, and then you start taking away from what the university is, so a liberal arts institution does not mean what it once did. Hmm. Today, you know, you get you can get away with, and the institution I teach at, you can get away with taking a single foreign language, one one semester. That's it. You can get away with taking, you know, one philosophy class. That's it. If you're at a religious institution, you might have to take one religion. Go back 20, 30, 40 years, and you would have spent multiple classes exploring multiple ideas that that we consider to be 
humane or hum- humanities right. based, yeah. right? These are the things that make us human, right? The things that we all used to agree upon that, you know, that, that there was, there was a, a, a conditioning of the mind, right? That you have to subject yourself to in order to, to, to be more human right now. We're getting rid of humanities programs left and right. You know, in fact, in West Virginia, at Jesuit institution, uh, I forget what it was called, um, maybe Jesuit university mm-hmm. down there, they, they got rid of their entire humanities program, like overnight. That's insane. Overnight. So everything, like economics, sociology, psych. All of it. All they have now, from what I gathered, from what I read in the article on, on the Chronicle of Higher Education, they have nursing and business. Wow. But tell me, Nathan, what are you going to sell to me as a businessman if you don't understand my motivations exactly. and drives? <laughs> exactly. How well are you going to do as a, as a nurse if you can't understand that all men are mortal? Right. I don't mean men in a, in a pejorative or misogynistic way. I mean all of course, humankind of course. is yeah. mortal. You know, if you haven't studied, you know, things that that make us human, mm-hmm. how well are you going to do in these type of different different types of fields? And and that's part of what I mean by this erosion, right? And the, the gatekeepers, right? They're people like myself, and not to disparage myself, but you know, I'm again, I'm not enfranchised by the institution. Where are my motivations? Where do they lie? Mm. And I say this in order to to be devil's advocate. My I. I hope my motivations are altruistic and 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 they come from a good place. Of course, you know. Um, but in reality, I know people like myself who have to work at four or five different institutions to pay rent. Right. How can I have any allegiance to the place, you know, or, or this profession that I've that I've dedicated my life to, if I'm working at four different places to do it? Yeah. To 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 to, to get a, a a level of living that doesn't even that doesn't even include. Any type of protection for retirement, any type of health care or insurance or any type of protection from the institution if, if someone should call me out and say that this this professor and his ideas, you know, he's he's out of line, right? Well, right. the institution won't protect me. I'm, I'm an adjunct. I'm not tenured. I'm not protected. They have no investment in me. Mm. So when, how, how much can I give of myself? How much can I invest in you, the institution, if you don't invest in me? This is the erosion I'm talking about, man. Yeah. And and a lot of people don't know about it if they're outside of that field. But being inside of it, I can see it, you know, and I can see the writing on the wall because I struggle. And I've applied for multiple different, you know, jobs and positions. And and there's a, you know, there's, and there's a glut in the market. There's a lot of people like me, believe it or not, you mm-hmm. know, um, who are willing to do this work. <laughs> And willing to be unsecure in their in their livelihoods. I mean, I continue to do it year yeah, after year. Right. You know, so it's 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 an exploitative thing, right? So so if you're exploiting the people who are the gatekeepers of truth and knowledge, I mean, where are we going to get? Right. You know, who's who's going to ultimately say this? On top of the fact that if you're taking away the, the what what made universities what they were, right? They're not colleges. They're they're meant to be places where you can study. Wide varieties of things. Mm. If if you go to a university and they tell you there's no room for electives, walk away. It's like, what am I doing here? <laughs> what am I doing? What, how am I engaging that? What's my what am I paying for? Where's my right. ex- like? What's this experience? And it comes back to that that thing that we talked about in the very beginning of our conversation tonight. That moment, that spark, that passion that I felt in the classroom as as a student, that would not occur. I hope it still does, but I wonder how often or if it would occur. At the same rate, or if it would even occur to me in today's classrooms at that right. same institution that I teach at now. Yeah. 
It's, it's, yeah, because like kids are being forced to take certain classes or pushed to take certain ones, while yeah. other ones are being stripped away, and their and their entire attitude as they've as they've kind of been conditioned over their educational career as young people. They know been, better than me, anyways. Coming yeah, in the classroom, so, so they're already kind of jaded <laughs> and like and like and, see, and seeing things a certain way. And, and, but, and to be honest, man, they, maybe they do know better than me because <laughs> I mean, kids are pretty smart nowadays. They, exactly, but, yeah. they're going to go into a profession where they can actually feed their family. Right, <laughs> me, well, you know, I'm, it's, it's debatable. <laughs> Get out of here! Well, you, you talk you talk about being like kind of like a bubble that's gonna burst at some point, yeah. and going back to this idea that I mean, obviously, like this whole we're talking about like massively complex issues oh, and yeah. whatever, but like super complex. So, so I, you kind of touched on just the idea like the our economic system has changed and like our totally. industries have changed, totally. the technology's changed, all that. So, granted, granted, obviously, it's a very complex uh, monster that has like driven driven the education system and as a whole, but specifically higher learning to, to the point that it's at now. What are as someone who's inside of it like? Do you do you see any? Obviously, you'd, I'm not expecting you to have some all-encompassing solution, but do you see any like uh, immediate area that could be changed, or do you feel like it's more all rooted in like a systemic level that would require like policy changes and funding yeah. changes? And I mean, it's a big. I mean, it's almost like a, a cultural shift that needs to occur. Okay. Like, and I mean, if if you want the 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 more philosophical question, yeah, is, is or the answer there it would be it's a cultural shift that needs to occur. We need to treat and think about education differently, right? And education shouldn't be a means to an end, right? It should be an end yeah. in and of itself. Right. You know, becoming educated should be something we all value, you know, rather than something that builds value for us. Mm-hmm. Or like all these statistics that come out that this university's education is, is you know, proven to be one of the most value-adding, you know. <laughs> of course. Do you, I mean, listen to this. Like, yeah. Your education adds more value to your life yeah. financially. That's what they mean. Of when course. They, when they, and they publish these numbers. Not, not, will this enrich your life? You yeah. know, they're talking about riches, you know what I mean? And it's a whole different thing, man. And 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 for me, it's it's a cultural shift that needs to happen. We need to return to a way of seeing the world in in through more, you know, humanistic eyes, right? And that doesn't mean you have to be a bleeding heart liberal. It doesn't mean you have to be the most staunch, you know, ivory tower conservative either. But there's gotta be a way that we can kind of start to value the pursuit again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's value that pursuit of knowledge. Let's value the, you know, uh, the end in and of itself that is education, right? Becoming educated people. The Buddhists believe, right? At part of 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 the individual is is that there needs to be a, a an engagement with that spiritual, intellectual side. Mm-hmm. And I think we've lost that in, in in not just in American society, but you know, in Western civilization in general. I think we've lost that. That sense of community that needs to that needs to drive you know the, the 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 pursuit of knowledge and knowledge should have some kind of impact upon your community, right? It should have some kind of thing that that connects us to each other, and and the more we strip away the programs and the and the the things that 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 used to connect us, you know, like foreign language programs, for example, I'm a foreign language teacher, you know, for the, you know, all intents and purposes, you know. I'm lucky these days when I get to teach a foreign language class. Mm. I'll go a whole year without teaching a foreign language class. Yeah. Because we've taken away all the requirements. No one has to take foreign language anymore. Right. I mean, how else to connect people than to speak the language? It teaches you more about your own language than any other type of program ever would. But yet, 
that's typical across our, our country right now. We're doing away with foreign language programs left and right, you know, and and I, I you know I find it to be highly problematic. So that's the that's the that's the philosophical solution. The very practical solution would be simply to say, let's not fund our institutions on the backs of our students. Yeah. <laughs> let's 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 cover that. And that I'm sorry to say that is not a, a particularly liberal concept, right? Mm. There are many countries around this world that we would not look at and say that's a liberal or left leaning place, but yet they cover School. You know, school. They, yeah. they, they, or at they, least more of it than... Yeah, it's, yeah. it's publicly funded for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a, a firm believer that institutions should be publicly funded. And and that might mean that someone like me will not will no longer get employment at that institution. But if that means that, that, the, that the education that, that someone does get, it, it will be more fundamentally sound, I'm all for it. Well, just going back to this idea of, like, of kids... Growing up through the education system, then reaching that point, that the decision, that crucial decision point of whether I go to college or not, and they look at the stats and they talk to them, maybe their older sibling or their best right. friend's older sibling or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, like you are, you're being straddled with you know, hundred k in debt." Yeah. yeah, it's like it's very, it it is a very not not just a daunting um, thing to look at, but also just a a discouraging um, point of entry where then your mindset shifts from what you're talking about from this whole I, this whole concept of going to school to learn to then going to school because I have to do this to make money and if I make the wrong decision like if I if I'm passionate about psychology but I don't there's no jobs in my area wherever I don't feel like there's a future for me there then I'm gonna have to go into business and then it like for it literally like it changed the trajectory of how we learn to the degree where we're not really learning what we even feel or right yeah, are interested so in. there's a divorce right yeah. there's a bifurcation that occurs right where 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 passion no longer drives us yeah we're driven by something else and i don't know what that else is is it capitalism is it the almighty dollar i don't know man but i can tell you this the students i have in class majority of them are going into two areas nursing and business so interesting that's, i mean that's what i would expect that's the I majority mean, yeah I mean, and, and that's not atypical. That's very typical, yeah. right? We've been told that there's service industry that we need. Aging population needs to be taken care of. So they're either studying to be pre-med or they're studying to, you know, to do biology mm-hmm. and, and they're going into nursing or some uh, related field, right. social work, and maybe perhaps in that, in that regard. Um, speech pathology is a big one these days. Um, but... Or they go in the business side where they, they've been told, oh, I can make a lot of money, right, selling people stuff because we you know, believe in this system. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I worry for, for – I mean, and I guess it was probably happening when I was in school, you know. And I don't want to sound like I'm that far away from school. I'm, I, I don't think I'm that far away. But, you know, it was happening at that point. Yeah, it's been and like it's, a slow – It's been happening yeah. for a long period of time. It really does. But – that it becomes a big question. You were completely right. If you look at the thing and says, "Oh man, I'm gonna," if I go to the school, I'm gonna get a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Well, then I better. Yeah, I better get this specific, this specific degree. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise, what am I doing? Wasting my parents' money, or, or I'm I'm wasting my own time and money. And then, and what do we get out of that? Ultimately, <laughs> we have this thing, and I, it's it's like. <laughs> It's not an idea that I've coined or thought that I, I'm original 
thing of it, but we get this delayed adulthood. Mm-hmm. We're yeah, like, exactly. Where we, you know, into our thirties, we're practically living. Yeah, thirties and you're twenty, not in a good way. Right. <laughs> we're like living with roommates till we're thirty, you know, whatever. And, yeah. And and not that that's a bad thing. It's great living living, you know, communally as long as you're choosing to do that, not because you've been forced <laughs> to do that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you're like economically in dire straits yeah. and you have to. Well, you're kind of like an indentured servant for yeah. a while because you got this this loan is straddling you down. Yeah. So I mean, I I truly feel for the folks that that have been burdened this way because I don't feel like it's a good it's a good direction and and that's part of what I mean I mean it's all a big part of this conversation when we talk about the erosion of, yeah. of what it means to, to be educated today you know to what is what, the erosion of, of a true collegiate university education right I don't know if it's happening that now I'm sure there are some institutions that still hang on to that that core of of, of liberal arts of course and humanities. Exceptions. Yeah. of course yeah I mean that exists. But I think it's becoming disproportionately um, focused on the service industry and the and the the business world, which before you know before the Second World War, you could go and study those things, but you'd be at what we used to call a trade school, and that mm, wasn't a dirty right, word, right? Because right. now it's a dirty word. Yeah, trade school is a dirty word in this country, and so is you know tech school. These are dirty words. Mm-hmm. Think about them; they have negative. Pejorative, yeah. They're tied into the culture wars in a way, right? And this is, and to, for me, this is this is problematic because you know, we, if we think about you know what this country was founded upon, this was founded upon enlightenment ideas that came from you know some of the greatest scholars of Western civilization, right? Talking about what it meant to be free, right? It meant to be human, mm-hmm. what it meant to, to govern ourselves. Yeah. You know, this is, this is an experiment, right? And we're, we're, you know, we've gone so far down that rabbit hole that, that, you know, that philosophical conversation doesn't occur, you know, fundamentally the way it, I think it should. And maybe that's just, maybe, maybe I am a bleeding heart liberal. I don't know, man. No, I don't but, think so. But, I mean, <laughs> but I, I, I do have, you know, I have these feelings that we need to spend more time you know, learning about life. Mm. I really do. You know, I, I I know that sounds very like, you know, I'm going to go out and hug some trees in a minute. But, but you know, learning about who we are as people, I mean, what greater what greater thing is there really to well, learn? Well, here's the here's the catch-22 or the, or the interesting thing I should just say about that is that where that's occurring now is not the education system but on the Internet. There you go. So that's like that's occurring on YouTube, podcasts, like on Twitter, Reddit. Yeah. So it's interesting like you kind of throughout all that, I mean, you touched on I, I would consider like the more visceral like – policy level of the problem where sure. it's like okay i mean like kids are struggling like there's there's the financial element and like the sure is. the um like what we what, what has actually changed over decades of institution and all that so that's the one i guess side of the coin on the other side of the coin which you hinted on earlier prior to it was the cultural element yeah. of it and how like the attitudes culturally have changed and so i'm i'd be interested to know what you think about this i mean just the on, on its face at least it seems just like i was saying like that the internet like again lowering the barrier to entry no more gatekeepers everyone's kind of on there doing what they want right with that like the the plus side of it is this whole this whole concept of limitless ideas where like yeah. you could be a phenomenal teacher and maybe you don't work at a college or, or a high school or whatever and you're just on youtube sure. giving lectures so like you have this entire like form this entire like endless uh, amorphous blob i guess of 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 
resources for people who sure. are like going to learn and like in some ways it's misinformation in some ways information kind of depends on where you fall right either way that's like that's happening right now and it's interesting how i think the culture war it seems is kind of like at odds where you have like the there's still like an element of like the elitist notion of like the education system where like there's higher learning there's there's the you know like the more i guess just naturally liberal-ish leftist leaning people who are like you know they have a higher higher education and they want to talk about you know whether it be philosophy psychology like marxism and economics whatever it might be you have like those people but then on the internet you have like the essentially like the school of youtube you have the people who are like who maybe are those uh disenfranchised people who would have gone to trade schools or whatever now they're at home and they're able to to just like jump on these websites, learn about a bunch of stuff. Whether it's good or bad is not isn't the point, but it's just the idea that they're doing it in this way in contrast to the people who are going to college still. Yeah. So do you see like in terms of like how co- like specifically like universities and colleges and all that have evolved um, their own programs? Like, do you see it, it almost being a problem that there's not more of like an intersection of of like how? I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's like imagine. Okay, so imagine like me. I'm some dude. Let's just like paint paint a paint picture sure. of me as an example. Uh, not not literally me, but just say me. Where say I didn't go to college at all, and say like I'm I self educate. What do you call it when you self educate? You're autodidact. Right, yeah. Yes, thank you. So so that's me. <laughs> that's me. And I've I've taught myself some subject that I feel like I'm really great at. I open up a channel on YouTube, get hundreds of thousands of subscribers. Sure. I have academics uh, reaching out to me, being like, "Wow, this is great work." Whatever. Do you think there's a great example? Of this would be a a Dan Carlin. Do you ever listen to him? I don't know if I'm familiar. He's a uh, he has a podcast called Hardcore History, mm-hmm. and he does like his own another podcast called Common Sense, but that's like his main one. And he does these like some some of them are eight hour, ten hour series where it's like multiple parts where he goes off on like a historical event, right. like the the Mongols or World War Two, wherever it might be. Yeah. And he's not a historian. He's just like a nerd essentially who's obsessed with history. His and it's the biggest history podcast in the world. So like now that his podcast is blown up, he gets, like, tons of historians referencing his work, and he's, like, kind of part of that community in a way. But So all that to say, do you think that we're at the point now where there is some level, again, going referencing the fact that not all of it's good, some of it's misinformation, but there are there are these people who access this level of self-education and self, um, like I guess what are we gonna call it? Like they've made this, made, they've made a uh, a platform for themselves mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. by themselves through the internet. Do you think that there should be some kind of bridge for people like that into the education system? It, it, because like obviously like the traditional education system is for someone like you who goes to school right. like all the way through gets a PhD yeah, and then like crazy. you're like the guy for that subject but now it's like again it's like you're kind of like you're you're battling against your peers yeah. and then there's this whole new world on the other end of the culture wars yeah. it's kind of like they're creating their own thing so and to be fair most of those people that are like at that high level at least they're successful already they don't need universities mm-hmm. necessarily like they already have like funding from patreons and they're in youtube sure. ad dollars whatever but all i'm saying is that would it be wise for universities or even high schools like just schools in general to kind of create some kind of bridge between those cultural elements of the internet that the, the education that the internet's created yeah and then the traditional institutions or are they always like kind of doomed to be no, I, the separate know, thing i don't think they are you know doomed to be separate i think they're you know um I mean, uh, just a little, you know, anecdote out of my own life. You know, my son tells me all the time what he wants to do when he grows up. And, you know, his mother is a neuropsychologist, um, hopefully soon to be board certified. Wow. And his father has a Ph.D. in a fairly obscure field. (laughs) He wants to be a gamer. 
No, he wants to be a YouTuber. Even better. So, like, this is hilarious, <laughs> right? It. it cracks me up all the time. Yeah. When he's all up. Like, he, he wants to be a YouTuber. He wants to create content. Right. I mean, right. he's young. He's, he's, gonna, he's seven, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, I embrace that. I, yeah. I do embrace that, you know? And I tell him all the time, it's fine as long as you can tell a good story, if you can create good narrative. You know, um, in my mind, though, it doesn't it doesn't take away from from the pursuit of knowledge like I talked about right. before though. You know, I, I still think that he would be in you know, um it would behoove him greatly. Even if he doesn't ever wind up, you know, you know, making a YouTube channel about Hit what he studied, I think it would behoove him greatly to have the kind of education that I'm, that I'm hoping that we'll have in the future. Mm. That return to a humanities based, you know, way of understanding the world. And I don't mean it has to be only humanities. I, you know, I wish I had studied more science. I wish I was forced to study more science. Mm. I want, I want high level of extremely broad, exceptionally passionate people. Right. You know, I want everyone to know a little bit about everything, you know, maybe that's a little bit unrealistic of me, you know, but I think traditional education still has a place. Mm. That's where I would fall in that conversation that, that yes, I think that there's a, a a world of of benefit to be gained by, by allowing people to find that passion, seek it out themselves, teach themselves. But at the same time, I find that, that the structures of education, the, the 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 submitting oneself, you know, prostrating oneself in front of that higher mind, still has a function, and it's still the discipline of the mind right. is an important kind of concept. Um, when well, it's hierarchical in a really important sense, I think people kind of demean yeah. that that a uh, value system in today's right. like kind of egalitarian culture. But I mean, right. yeah. it is an important element right. to learning. I mean, there's something to be said about. Obviously, like it's one thing if, say, your son grows up to be a YouTuber and he's really great at it or whatever right. and gets a big channel. So imagining that happening, like a person could do that like him and do it relatively like in, in any form of ways. I mean, they could do yeah. it through hustling 80-hour weeks or they could just be really good and do it in, like right. seven hours in a week. Sure. So I mean like whereas in institutions of great higher learning, I mean, you're forced through the ringer. Like you're yeah. put through – like you learn discipline. You learn all these other types of qualities that I think are more – difficult to attain yeah. on like this like this solo level yeah. of just like your own exploration because you're kind of like out in the ether figuring yeah. it out on the internet whereas like you have a structure to go through in the education right. system I mean, it's like I a mean, path exactly if you look I mean, if you look i mean how many how many people i mean I, maybe this is unfair comparison but you know there's not that many utants you know what i mean who mm-hmm. teach themselves you yeah. know it was it utant it was i forget who it was who taught themselves like the some of the most advanced math that ever had been seen yeah mostly educated it's i mean people. unfortunately you there are certain kind of pathways that that one has to access in order to gain you know the ability to and but man that is the equalizer right the internet mm-hmm. is that equalizer i Hey man, I use YouTube all the time too. I go on and learn how to play new things on the guitar, <laughs> and 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 I, I I walk this weird thing, right? I, I walk this dichotomy of being an untrained guitar player. I've never yeah, been me taught. Neither. I've never been taught vocal technique, singing. I don't know that stuff. I mean, I studied music to a certain level. You know, I took jazz classes and stuff like that in high school and a little bit not not, not in college at all actually. So like, I walked that. You know, my my daily life is kind of I, that thing where I believe enough. In the power of creativity. Yeah. Right? But I said from the beginning that every song I write is a thesis. Hmm. You know what I mean? So that the notion of 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 higher thought, wherever you 
get it from. I think it's it's an important element of it. Education, do it. Just I can't score underscore it and highlight it enough. I feel like it's it's such an important part of who we who we strive to be as people and as Americans and as 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 family members, as fathers and mothers and daughters and sons. Like you know, we all want that for our children. I feel like you know, yeah. I, I want them to have the most opportunity in education. I want them to be successful. I want them to be intelligent. Right. These are all good things, right? And and to to learn how to use that tool, yeah, is is exceptionally important to me. You know, and I, as as much as you know, there might be that out on the internet for them to find. It's almost a crapshoot. Yeah, I was gonna say it's, you know? it's scary because you don't so, know what you're gonna get in a lot of exactly. those cases. And, and and in that regard, if we go back to that concept about seeking the truth, right? Unless you're taught how to seek that truth. And taught how to know what's valid and what's right. not valid. There's a lot of pitfalls well, and is, a lot is, of rabbit holes. And this is why I'm interested in the kind of integration between these worlds yeah. in some way. Because, I mean, I wonder, when I look at, I have, I have a few friends that work in the institutions yeah. of, of higher learning. And something I'm interested in is, like, the techno- technological aspect of it. Sure. Because, I mean, obviously, there's, like, now Silicon Valley is almost its own universe, yeah. right? And they're kind of, like always on the cutting edge of creating new products and technologies that get integrated into apps and games and and social media platforms and all that. And it's interesting how more and more you get people like your son who are are growing up using these games and platforms. They're like, I want to be a programmer. I want to be a game developer. I want to be a YouTuber. I want to be an influencer, whatever it might be. And it's all kind of like, and that, that's obviously like part of the culture, but like that part of the culture is stemmed to the, the technological like industry, whatever you want sure. to call it. So, I mean, do you see in the future like some type of like integration between higher learning and the tech industry as they kind of like – I think so, yeah, because I mean if you look at the, at, at the high schools that, are, that tend to be the most competitive ones – these days are the ones that have good funding with STEM stuff, right? Science, technology, engineering, math. You know, I saw someone talking the other day talking about gaming and fun, fun kind of com- like puns or whatever. But they wanted <laughs> to see STEAM, uh-huh. science, technology, engineering, art, and, mm. and math. Right? That would be kind of cool as well, nice. right? If we could value that in the same way that we value, you know, this would be a great thing, right? I, you know, I don't know. Um, it's, I mean, these are great questions. I, 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 where I fall down on on the or fall in in terms of the conversation, though, I think it is yeah. I think that that schools are doing their best to, um, uh, you know, acclimate to yeah. the twenty first century. But but the thing is about about schools, right? And and this goes back to the beginning of our conversation again. We've we've had a bunch of little turns around. I like it, man. It's good. It's a good conversation for that re- that reason. Um, is that you know we need to value education as such, right? And and by value, I mean let's fund it, right? Let's fund it in a way that's. And I don't mean just. I don't mean. I'm talking about the actual institutions that are public funded. Let's make sure that these kids have access to these, you know, you know, to programming classes, have access to engineering and mathematics right. classes at high levels. Let's let's make sure that happens. But the only way that will happen is if we value education. You know, we really you know put it there because education takes, unfortunately, because of the way funding is 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 set up. Um, you know, education is a slow moving thing, and that's not right. my, that's not my concept. I this is a historian. She said antiquarian she calls herself patricia Algeberg graham she's a you know professor mm-hmm. and she has this she likens education in the united states in the 20th century to a battleship and that a battleship is created to do one thing right 
it's to, to do battle, right? To, to do the things that we've, we've said it needs to do, mm-hmm. right? So initially it started out to assimilate. We needed to assimilate immigrants. And then it was we need to, to get them to adjust to life in America, you know, as time moved along. Then it was access. We want to make sure that there's equal access. And this is as, you know, the 20s, the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, right, right. the 60s access. Now we're at the level of, of high level of, of, you know, functioning that we want everyone to have. But the problem is that battleship it does not turn on a dime, right? So education needs the funding to acclimate faster. So I think, yes, that, that there is and there should be more integration of those kind of things into the classroom. I think you'll find the places where it happens the most frequently are in schools that are in high socioeconomic areas. Yeah, that makes because sense. Because they have money. Which is so unfortunate because like, don't you see that? Like, they're just kind of continuing right. the, the so divide it, between precisely. class yeah. and No, what and we've everything. done, what we've done is we've created apartheid yet again, right? But we've done it through economic means. Mm. We've resegregated schools, man. And that's that's not a concept that I came up with either. I mean, this is this is stuff documented stuff. Yeah, right. The schools have gone from being integrated, you know, blacks and whites and Latinos and Asians were all going to school together, to being essentially re-segregated. Right. So now, like, if you're a, if you're like a a um, affluent family in some some district in Philly, you're and you look at the public school system, you're going to send your kid right. outside of it yeah. to some other more expensive or some yeah. private or whatever right. might be institution. Right. And you're going to do everything you can to get them in there. Yeah. Whereas the family who's who's you know socioeconomically not as well off, um, they're not going to have the same tools in their arsenal to be able to to afford that student the same opportunity. Mm. And it's even just knowing like when the application dates for the different yeah, charter schools stuff. is, simple yeah. stuff like that. But if you're working two jobs and you're a single parent and you have two, three kids, when are you gonna find time to do that? Right. You know what I mean? And then and then again the wealth gap, opportunity gap, every one of those kind of gaps that people talk about is the, that's the <laughs> kind of very, you know, trendy word these days it but, is but those are the things that are growing exponentially in our country and 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 i i don't know what the, what the answer is to that but but i but i will say this i think that the science and technology and all that needs to be you know definitely brought back into the classroom you know at a, at a heavy level mm. but that conversation needs to go in in hands in hand with how we're going to fund it yeah, and that can we make sure that 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 the school in the city gets the same amount of funding that the school out in the suburbs does, you know? And can everybody be a little less selfish about it, you know? Because no one wants to see their tax dollars go to pay for some school, you know, half a state away, right? You know, so how do we how do we fund it on a little more egalitarian basis? Like how do we make it a little bit more? Um, how do we make equal access, man? How do we make? How do we create equality, man? Yeah. But and you have to add. But if we're not studying humanities at the university <laughs> yeah, level, exactly. How are you? How do you to, know what equality means? Yeah, you're creating a generation of how people who know? are just completely out of the loop of, right. of, of any of these basic, or to us, or maybe basic philosophical, right. sociological if, concepts. Yeah, but if you haven't been exposed to things like Oliver Twist, yeah, or or you haven't you haven't you know, read Les Miserables. Like, if you haven't been exposed to these things that 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 speak to the the darkest and also the be- most beautiful things in us, mm. 
where's your motivation to ensure that there's equality? And, yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe we're talking about really heavy, heady stuff, and I apologize to the listeners, man. No, it's good. But, this, this is why I brought you here. But, Not really, but you know, I, I didn't know we'd talk about this, but I love it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it, these are conversations that I feel like we need to have that, that you know, unfortunately don't happen enough. You know? Right. And I, I, I you know, um, I, I thank you for letting me of course, talk to you man. about it. And it sucks so much of it is like, is stigmatized to the degree where we don't really, we don't know how to approach the topics of funding because we look at it, it it, is, it has become a political issue in the sure sense of has. like, you know, it's polarized left, right. But I mean, even just thinking about it in terms of like people's natural incentives to, to toward these resources. Cause I mean, like talking about like a, say like a lower like um, income area for like their education system might be terrible. And then it's like, Oh, well let's just like pour resources into it. It's like, okay, well you can't just pour resources into it. Like right. you have to give yeah. the people in this area or people outside the area to come into the area, some kind of incentive to build the area. So it's like this like massively complex series Super of complex. Compl- yeah. Series of conflicts. Look at Mark like, Zuckerberg. He tried to solve the problem in Newark. Yeah. A new Newark. Not Newark. Right. Not, not they Delaware. pour a bunch of funding into it. They put a hundred million dollars into Newark, New Jersey. That was a couple years ago. $100 million. I think it was him and maybe it was Bezos. Whoever Mm -hmm. was one of these big corporate, I don't know if it was Bezos. It was probably Gates. I think someone was involved. They put $100 million into the Newark school system, and ultimately they didn't have any real Yeah, it was the Gates Foundation, I think. Now that that you said that, I think it was. um, So they put all this money in this this area, but it didn't really fundamentally change what was happening there. Yes, yeah. So, I mean— it's it's not just simply a, a matter of dollars, but it's also about funding in terms of, of, you know, you know how do we staff these schools? Yeah, making people realize that that edu- you know being an educator is is a you know, is, is equally as valuable as the guy who's going to, to design your, you know, your next nuclear power plant. Right. It's equally as valuable as the guy who's going to create awesome content for you on, on a podcast like yeah, yourself, right. you know, or it's going to be equally as valuable, you know, to, to the person who's going to, you know, get the next, you know, man on the moon or woman on the moon, yeah. you know, as, as is the next person who, who, who stays at home and takes care of his kids. You know, we have to start seeing you know, more value in people. Right. Man, maybe that, maybe that's really what well, I'm Well, let me ask you this, to... like at your, um, at your, where you teach specifically, yeah. I mean, you don't have to say where, but like specifically there, do you, and do you ever end up in a situation where you have not literally like this, uh, existent at this existential level, but do you have these types of conversations with these students? Like mm-hmm. do any, do any kids come up to you and are basically like, I don't know what to do or like I'm I'm kind of at a crossroads here or like whatever like do you do you ever get into these altercations so or? I was I was walking into campus uh probably a couple weeks ago a couple years 2 3 weeks ago and and this kid stopped me on the way he says Dr. Ager and I said hey how are you, how are you doing I had no idea who he was no idea um he's like I really want to thank you I, I, I teach part of this I, I'm a part of this thing called anyways it, it's a program that has like a, a short segment in the summer before they get to, to campus uh-huh. in the fall. And, you know, it's about like study habits and, you know, kind of what it means to become a good academic citizen. Mm. And, you know, one of the spiels that I love to give, even though it's not like in the book that they give us to teach this class, one of the, one of the spiels is about finding your passion because mm. I just like to throw it in there. So I believe in it oh, yeah, fundamentally and wholeheartedly that you need to be inspired by what you're studying. It's the best way to be good at it. Of course. Yeah. Right. Um, so I always talk about, you know, follow your passion. Don't worry about the job you're going to get later. You get hired by some law firm, they're going to teach you litigation. They're going to teach you court procedure. 
you get hired by a, a business firm, they're going to teach you, you know, the, the the particular things they want you to know. Of course, yeah. They're going to train you. Every institution, every I'm sorry, every, every corporation, large financial institution will 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 teach you the things they want you to know. So why not why not spend your time while you have it studying the things that you want to know? Mm. You know what I mean? So I say this to them every 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 summer before you know school starts. And this kid who was in one of these classes stopped me on the way, and he's like, "Doctor Ager, I, I I wanted to tell you, you know, it, it meant a lot what you said to us over the summer." And I, I was like, "Oh boy, I hope I didn't say something <laughs> asinine or something, you know, that was so trivial, or whatever." This kid's out, you know, telling everybody I said some crazy. Anyways, he says, "Yeah, you know, it was it was really important to hear that, you know, that I don't have to." take economics because when my parents wanted me to take, I'm, I'm taking, I'm studying, I think he was doing like, I think he like moved to digital arts or something like uh-huh. that. So he's doing dark stuff or whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah. Right. Um, because he likes, you know, like advertising. Mm-hmm. He thinks it's cool. And like, he's into that. And, I, and he was like, I really want to appreciate, I appreciate you saying that because I was kind of told what I should study before I came here. And I'm kind of putting words in his mouth, but that's kind of where he was coming from. It was a very informal conversation, but, you know, he was saying these kind of things to me and I walked away and I still didn't know the kid's name. I couldn't remember, you know, but I have these conversations probably more frequently than I, than the university would prefer that I have these conversations Mm -hmm. because I, I believe like, again, wholeheartedly you know, to the core of my essence and who I am, you know, the core of my being, my essence, I believe that that we need to pursue our passions, you know, yeah. in, in a positive way. And if your passion is, you know, <laughs> you know don't exactly. be the next Dexter. Exactly. Yeah. If that's your passion, <laughs> well, we're going to part ways, but you know, I, I believe people's path. Maybe it's back to that, that fundamental concept of believing people are good. I want to believe that. So whatever your passion is, I want, I want these students to do that. So I do, I do to answer your question. Yeah. I do talk to the students in this way, in a very real way. You know, I was like, ask most people who are employed Anywhere you go, ask them what they studied. And I bet you, you know, seven times out of ten, it's it won't be exactly never, in the field. Yeah, yeah. And and today, even more so in this gig economy that we're kind of, you know, facing, people do different things for yep. long periods of time. Yep. We'll have multiple different careers within one lifespan. Yeah. So, like, this, this to me was a, a brilliant thing. And, and maybe I get that from my dad because he was employed by, like, 12 or 13 different companies over mm-hmm. his time. And he was... You know what today you classify as a mechanical engineer. Yeah, but he was all self-educated. You know, never went to college. Passed over a million times different wow. gigs because he never had a college education. Mm-hmm. And they and my dad instilled upon me this concept that education is important. You know, and it didn't matter what I was studying. He didn't right. care. It was almost the fact that you just have to have to go through that process of disciplining your mind, of 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 you know, kind of learning how to think. Yeah, learning right. Learning to think critically. How to think, yeah. And you know, you can learn that probably on YouTube, man. But you could also probably learn how to make firecrackers and yeah. and what my son likes to watch, you know, how to make things on Minecraft. Yeah. I don't know if that or you can break your brain your mind. into you like how it. to think about like just conspiracies and <laughs> right, just like not, right, not, exactly. not you don't develop the critical thinking skills. Yeah, so I mean, it's I I try to impress upon my students, yeah, that that and and maybe I do it in in songwriting too, man. But you know, I I try to you know impress upon people that passion. Right. Passion is 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 paramount. 
You know, well, well, it's, for me, it's like uh, I tell us, I said this a few times on the podcast, man. There's been I, I literally have lost count at this point. I mean, hundreds of primarily kids, I, I'd imagine, have reached out to the Stakem Twitter account or my personal Twitter <laughs> account. They found me through that account somehow, and they they DM me or DM the account asking, literally, just like. I'm in college or I'm in high school. I don't know what to do. I'm at a crossroads. Wow. What should I be doing? And it's interesting because I think a lot of it stemmed from just my job particularly. Like sure. these kids are seeing it and they're like, oh, this is like a funny, weird. It's like he's making memes or whatever. I make memes. How could I like do this in some kind of field or whatever? But it's just so interesting because like so many of them to that point, like they're trying to get into some field of like where they're interested in. Like these are these are mostly people who have spent a large amount of time on the internet so they're like deeply embedded in these subcultures sure so they're seeing like a subculture with a job and they're like oh like this is something i could do like how could i get into this but i mean it's it's amazing how many of them like it all stems back to this concept of they just don't they they feel torn like you had mentioned between like what their parents or what like the like the greater culture is telling them they should do for for a career or for a um for a degree and then what they want to do and yeah. it's like this crazy you know it's always been a crossroads for people but I think today it's especially uh, just volatile because it's like because of the the the, the student loan debt and because yeah. the gig economy and everything's changing like the people even in, in my uh, industry quote unquote of like advertising, marketing, whatever, like a lot of the people I know that are social media managers or are like brand representatives or brand ambassadors, whatever it might be in some way, they, a lot of them have come from like journalism back, journalism yeah, sure. um, uh, degrees or like, uh, or I'm trying to think like specifically like it could be copywriting, it could be English, English majors, it could sure. be like all these different, or even just graphic design, like it could be all these different creative fields, but then they end up going through like, they're working at like a PR firm, they're working at, you know, like they're representing some brand and like in sales or whatever it might be. Sure. Like it's all these, they kind of go through the ringer in terms of like business communications, like all these areas of yeah. expertise and it's never like you said before it's never a linear no. trajectory it's always this kind of like waltz, zigzag man. yeah like back and forth of of um of them figuring it out and i think that that's that's the most important thing i try to like instill to the people that reach out to me because i don't know what i'm doing all i know is like from my own personal experience and the experience of other successful people that i sure. follow i'm like this is like their trajectory and like it either all starts in college or it all starts in some like you putting the work in like like right. some of the people i know that uh that do social media management sp specifically or like YouTubers and all that, they um or I should say the people that work in the industry of advertising, a lot of them pick out potential employees from YouTube, from Twitter. Like they'll mm -hmm. look for YouTubers with a bunch of subscribers or Twitter accounts with a bunch of followers, and they'll literally scout them and be like, "Do you want to work here?" Because they can clearly see what they're doing is successful. Right, right, right. You know what I mean? So it's like people are coming to the table from whether it is higher learning or whether it is just like putting in the yeah. work. But either way. You just have to pick it. You just have to do it. You know what I mean? Like some yeah. people do like the balance really well. I know people that like a lot of younger kids that are going through college right now and also like on the side do these funny Twitter accounts or YouTube accounts. Right. They're kind of like balancing both. And uh, that's impressive. Know, it is impressive. It is. When you look at the creative output, I'm like, man, how do you guys have the time for this? Like they're on it all day. I'm like, what are you even studying? But uh, but it's interesting because it's like kids are just at like this really um, – you know, this, this stage of, of life with the internet, I think everything's just so, in, they're so inundated. You know yeah, what I mean? I like they that. don't, they don't, they, they're, they're 
they're shoved so many uh, decisions and, yeah. and things that they could be doing, and they don't really. It's not that they don't have direction because they have direction. I think in a lot of cases they just don't know on one hand what's going to be profitable. Yeah. On the other hand, what what they're going to like if they're going to love doing what they're doing. What's right. going to you know like whatever whatever it might be, and and to have people in higher learning, yeah. kind of helping be the compass to those decisions is so important. Yeah. It's like they and in most cases they're not getting it from their parents, and like we've kind of and abo- arguably they're not getting it in the higher institutions. Well, that's what either. I'm saying. That's like, problematic. And, and you know? I feel like I've talked I talked to someone about this recently as well. Like we've kind of like obliterated um this whole concept of mentorship right, in culture yeah. you know what i mean right. like we're like used to have like village elders right and, like, we look to like the older like retired people to our, like wisdom like you don't really see that no it's all like people are like wilting away in retirement homes and it's like they have all this wisdom and stuff to offer but like it's become this like weird resource economy that we like we look to, we look toward um the young and like the sure. the astute and these like I don't know like there's there's this divide I think in how and how we uh, approach wisdom and like approach emotional intelligence and it's 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 not um it's not as diverse I think as it could be you know no I I am 100% in agreement with you the there's a there's a educator her name is Bell Hooks she's a feminist but um, a college professor and she wrote this really phenomenal um piece of writing um from a i think it's probably about 20 years ago now Mm -hmm. that she put it out um but she she talks about her students you know the ones she has in her college classrooms and she says that they are fundamentally and and to no fault of their own wounded in their psyches deeply Mm -hmm. wounded in their psyches their exact words and they on one hand have very difficult time in 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 self-actualization yeah right? that right. kind of that becoming, like level of maslow's hierarchy of needs right. that like up top yeah they have a, a they have a high you know they, they have a hard time at that while at the same time demanding that that the instructor teach them something that is worthwhile and valuable in their lives yeah so it's a it's a kind of a, a she i mean she's referring to you know to part of what, what we talked about earlier about like kind of the breakdown and what's happening in, in our education system, you know, that we're creating people that don't know how to self-actualize. And maybe I'm part of that, that, you know, I, I was probably a student when she was writing that, you know, and I think that that thing has only become more, you know, prevalent, right? There's students that they don't know. They fundamentally do not know what it means to self-actualize in, 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 in you know, in the way or insofar as, you know, they, they don't know what they want to study or what they want to be, what they want to do, you know, because they've been told that they have to do X, Y, and Z in order to be successful. They've been told that they need to do or go or be a part of or whatever that that thing is right. that tells them from externally that this is what you need to do. And then how do you, if you hear someone telling you what you need to do all the time, how do you know what to do on your own? How do you think critically? And that's really what it comes down to. How do we teach people to think critically? You know, maybe that's come, maybe that's part of what I was saying earlier. Like, you know, you know, how, you know, when when you seek out the truth, when you when you really find the truth, that's thinking critically. Yeah. And it takes takes real effort to do that. And um, 
and it's super easy to slide into nihilism right. when you're like yeah. and you're going through this process because sure every like the the scope of all of all of it is so daunting it so sure like can be, yeah. like do you know do you know the um the meme you probably this might be a little obscure it's called the doomer meme Have you no. heard of this it's a character you might i mean you might have seen, seen the character it. it's like it's like a meme sort of like pepe the frog is like a character like yeah. it's, it's a character that someone drew and like it's it's then like uh appropriated and used in different contexts but it's a uh, the character is called Doomer, and there's like a couple variations of him specifically. Like there's like Zoomer and a few other ones, but it's basically like a take on, um, like I guess you could call it like the millennial Gen Z. It's like kind of like a broad persona, but the idea behind this character is that it's someone who rejects in some way the notion of um like boomers, like boomers like coming at post World War II sure. had like yeah, a lot of pur- yeah they had a lot of like purpose in their life right. like coming out of the war and like mm-hmm. they're a very like a notoriously happy generation and like obviously like like going in the, through the next couple decades or whatever and then like they had their kids and their kids like they inherited a similar like economy and whatever this is this is a broad ge- generalization but like needless to say the zo- the the um the doomer is supposed to be like it represents a caricature of like kids nowadays who look at the previous generations and like they're kind of outlooks on life whereas like some of them may have had like a very strict adherence to a certain religion mm-hmm. or political party and that was kind of like it gave them purpose and trajectory throughout sure. their life and then like over decades you know like you kind of like entered into these uh different like cultural attitudes of like nihilism and postmodernism and mm. like cultural relativism and all these things that kind of like started popping up throughout like the 60s 70s 80s 90s to now where like you have this kind of this this character which is represents a lot of young people where it's like it, you're so inundated by everything that's going on in the world and everything's seen through a microscope so yeah. like that the the problems of war and like or foreign policy and climate change and and student loan debt and whatever whatever it might be all these things kind of compound because they're seeing it through a microscope because yeah. everything is like highly centralized and then it creates this like Nihilist. Sense of dread. Yeah, yeah it's like you're, you, be, yeah, you become, yeah, you're very existential, you're very cynical, you're very sure. just like sure. uncertain about like your own identity and your own direction in the world. So that's like what the meme essentially represents, but it's so interesting because it kind of yeah. like sounds like what you're talking about where yeah, it's like but, this again, directionless. It's, not, it's and, not my idea, it's Bell Hook's idea. But, yeah. You know, she, she had that concept that, that, you know, that students today, you know, her students, anyways, at that time, you know, had, where they felt deeply wounded in their psyche mm. because of that. Lack of the lack of ability to actualize, self-actualize, you know, while at the same time demanding that education be practical. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm all for practical education. I certainly am. But, you know, I, I want to see practical or practicality be applied to all things, not not, not just <laughs> business and nursing. No offense yeah. to the businessmen no, and absolutely. nurses out there. I love you all, too. Um, but we need everybody. We need, we need all a broader kinds. range. Yeah. We need a broader range. We need a, I mean, that's, that's, I mean, I can't repeat myself enough, probably. I probably have too much. <laughs> no, you know I what I'm going to say at this point. <laughs> no, no, no. That, that was, there was a lot, of, lot of really good stuff in there. Um, just kind of like swinging back, I guess, a little bit toward uh, your song. We didn't spend a lot of time talking about it, which I, it's so funny. If you would have asked me like what we were going to talk about, I had no idea this Music. was going to be it. But I love it. Um, <laughs> it's fa- It's all so fascinating. But like, I know, like, so you are an adjunct professor. Yeah. And I know the last time we talked was at the, uh, 
the Matones session yeah, that I did that was for fun, you. Man. And I think you you were talking. I don't remember specifically like everything we talked about, but I do remember us talking about how many shows you had been playing. Like you've yeah. been doing. Like is is that like a is it were you consider like part of your job at this point? Because yeah, you're do. doing like do. tons of these paid gigs, right? Yeah, you know, I I consider myself like a semi professional. You yeah, know what I mean? because right. I I depend upon it to live. You know, like you know, financially certainly. Um, and I, and I treat myself as a professional because I want to be respected for my time and art. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I do about a hundred hundred nights out a year. That doesn't it's include insane. that doesn't include you know like tonight where you know I'm just like oh I should of course, be on a podcast. Of course, yeah. I'm doing a podcast in a couple of weeks. Um, uh, you know another one. So like it doesn't count that stuff. It doesn't count nights where I'm like going to songwriter nights. And, yeah. So I guess yeah, I'm out. Yeah, I'm out about a hundred nights a year. Doing a hundred different kinds of shows, and it could be everything from like you know your standard money bar gig, that you know all the musicians out there will know what I'm talking about. It's the cover, it's the cover gig where you yeah, have to play all right. people's songs all night long. Um, to you know, you know, like last year I got a chance, I was blessed to to um, to play at the Philadelphia Folk Fest. You know, so like amazing. Um, you know, it's all kinds of shows. You know, so I did a, uh, you know, I, I just did a songwriter circle the other night, and you know, tomorrow night I'm playing at a bar. You know, doing. Mostly covers, you know. Right. Um, so it's 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 a little bit of everything, man. It really is. Um, I'm hoping, you know, and I'm I'm a realist, you know, and and I don't try to, you know, fool anybody, you know. I'm 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 an artist first and foremost. So my preference is to play more shows that are my songs, you know. Like I believe yeah, myself right. wholeheartedly as a as a songwriter, you know. I really believe in that craft, and I, I think I've done really well to hone it. Took me a long time to learn it, you know what I mean? Um, probably because I didn't study it in the same way, perhaps. I don't know. But, but, that was sneaky. I but, like uh, that. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But but no, I, yeah, I totally. will say this. I will say that that I'm I'm becoming happier in, you know, with the things I'm writing and the art that I'm creating. And I'm doing more. I'm hoping to do more and more shows that are that showcase that, you know, mm. that are more specifically, you know, in line with that. Um, because that that is where I find those moments, those sparks, those passion, you know, moments that, that, that really keep me doing it. You know, right. when I stop having fun with it, man, I, you know, I'll probably lay it down, you know, I mean, I'm sure I'll play for myself all the time, but when I stop having fun performing, you know, and performing my music, then, you know, that'll be that. Um, that's what I was going to ask. Do you, do you see do yourself doing this into the foreseeable future? Yeah. Or? I have no plan to stop. Last year I put out, um, a vinyl, mm-hmm. that the you two-sided know about. single. Yeah. I did a single called "Crunchy Girl," which was a little bit of a critique of modern society. I loved it. Half <laughs> hippie, half hipsters. You know who you are. And uh, that has that was a single, a double-sided thing, an A and a B side. And I put a I put a, a politically oriented song out actually um, called "Fake News." Uh, over in the fall, and then in the meantime, I, I recorded and released a an EP called the Bad Guy EP about being you know a domestic bad guy, you know about yeah. about being the uh, you know not good at doing the dishes and stuff like that at home. <laughs> so it, it's I'm, I I have no plans to stop, and I'm putting another single out that I'm working on right now um, with a producer in the city. Oh, awesome! Yeah, so I'm like, and, and that's probably going to be in line with this more political series that I've been doing. Um, what what drove you to make that a pivot? To do the political stuff? Yeah, well, even like Crunchy Girl is kind of like a more like in yeah, that, social in that critique. region. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, social critique, man. I think I think it's something I've always um, appreciated in like the scholars that I that I encountered. You mm. know, I mean, they, they were the ones who made me think beyond you know the particular 
article right. or the, the book I was reading, the ones who connected things to larger issues or like the theorists that I was reading that then apply it back to like the thing. So Habermas, you know, Jürgen Habermas and, and, you know, Foucault and all these great thinkers and Freud and, you know, anybody, who you know, philosophers, you know, like yeah, right. those folks making social commentary. I, I mean, I don't, I don't like to philosophize in my music, but I definitely like to play with those things, you know? Yeah. You know, even the Google John that I right, wrote that exactly. song. I mean, it's, it's, it, it pokes a lot of fun at ourselves and the way we lie, but the places we tell the truth, mm-hmm. like on the internet, you know? Um, so, it, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't know, man, what's been making me do that? Probably me caring less that, that what I'm creating will be consumed by the masses. Mm-hmm. Like I've come, I've, I've embraced the fact that my music will not be liked by all. Yeah. And it's been very freeing. And it's also let me create things that, that I'm immensely satisfied with. Yeah. My first few records, you know, I put things out and I was like really hoping that, that people would like it. You know what I mean? Now I'm to the point where I, I want people to like it. I hope they like it. But in the end of the day, when it comes down to brass tacks, whether they like it or not, is irrelevant. Yeah. Because I like it. And that's such a freeing thing, man. Mm. And, and fun, you know, funnily enough, you know, um, People always say that. It always sounds so cliche, like, oh, you, you, you can't care about the reception of it, which is a little bit extreme for me. Yeah. But there is a, a kernel, maybe even a bigger than a kernel. It's probably like a, you know, avocado corn, <laughs> you know, like tr- element of truth to that. You have to just embrace the art for what it is and let chips fall where they may. So that the pivot, I think it was always there. Yeah. But what, what allowed me to, to do it is, is saying, okay, I am who I am. This is my music. I appreciate you for you what you do. If you don't like it, that's fine. That's cool. Um, but I'm going to keep creating art. And the only way for me to keep creating art by, at this point, I put out you know three records, an EP, a single. I mean, I put out 40 songs at this yeah, point. Yeah, right. You know, and you know, I'm, I'm putting them all out myself. If I if I was worrying about what other people wanted to hear, I I, I think by this point I would have given up. Mm. So in order to keep creating art. I have to care about it myself. Well, it's cle- It's interesting that you say it's cliche because it is, but like it took you this long to get to that point. Oh, yeah. So obviously it's like, it might be cliche, but I mean, it's one thing to acknowledge it. Yeah. And it's another thing to actually reach that point. Cause like we yeah. all, we all care. Like It's yeah. such a, the, everybody wants to act like they don't care about other, right. how other people perceive them, but we all do. Oh, I totally To some do. degree or another. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like, it's literally impossible not to consider like, oh wait, I'm writing this thing or I'm, I'm, or I'm recording yeah. a podcast. I wonder <laughs> how other people are going to perceive me. No one is going like, – the only people that are able to go into that completely carefree are yeah. the people who are, like, detached from, like, the broader institutions of society. Like, someone like a Joe Rogan right. who just has, like, fuck you money and yeah. he can just, like – Adam Carolla's. Exactly. Like, they, they're not, like – they're not beholden to a job or, yeah, like, they anything, they and they have enough money and they don't care. Like, they're just – saying they're hanging with their friends saying what they want but most people who work in like fields of yeah. journalism marketing music name it like they're they're thinking about like the, yeah. their audience's perception yeah. of, of, of what they're saying and yeah. i wish i had that kind of freedom <laughs> and and you know in my in my little like you know microcosm of of or my my, my microeconomic world in terms of like you know <laughs> 
you know, the, the money I earn and make. I'm, I'm lucky to have a supportive partner, you know, mm-hmm. you know, um, who lets me do the things I do and doesn't criticize if it's not successful, you know, mm-hmm. and encourages me to put stuff out and doesn't, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I honestly can say this in all reality. I'm pretty sure she doesn't even like much of the music I put out, but she still supports it. And that's such a beautiful That's thing. so great. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so if I didn't have that, you know, if I didn't have that kind of freedom, maybe I wouldn't be putting out new kind of things. But I, I'm, I'm kind of like at this stage in the game where I am in my life, I feel like I'm putting my money where my mouth is. Mm. Like I'm tired of doing songs that I think will be successful. And I'm just putting I'm, I'm, I'm spending more money on recording than ever. Like I'm going out there and literally taking money and putting it where my mouth is and letting my mouth do the talking that sure. I feel like it, it will. And I, and I feel like I've been writing better stuff because of it. Yeah. You know, the Google John is part of that, that song. Um, you know, the social critique, the crunchy girl. I mean, the, all these songs have done better for me. You know, maybe they haven't gotten a lot of, you know, radio play or anything, but, you know, in terms of like streaming oh, and stuff phenomenal. like that. Yeah, like phenomenal and, productions. And I feel like they sound good. Yeah. yeah. Because I'm taking my time, I'm spending the money. And you know, prior to this, I, I probably probably should have spent more money. I should have been more, um, you know, uh, concerned with what the sound was mm. than whether or not you're going to like it. Yeah. So I got I got hung up on the on the reception end of things rather than on the creation end of things. And I think that's there there is there is a divide. That being said, you know, I, I I'm still a creature of habit, and I still. You know, feel it when an audience does not dig what I'm doing. I had right. a moment down in D.C. recently. I played this show, the So Far show. Um, and uh, I told the audience, I'm like, what do you guys want me to do? Play this song? It's you know, a song about, you know, my, you know, my wife and I or whatever. Or you want me to play this song that's going to offend you? Right? It's D.C., <laughs> right? So I'm like, of course they're going to want the one that offends them. But, you know, I always forget, man, it's a very PC crowd, right? Uh-huh. So I sang my song about my preference in the opposite sex, which is girls that have a little more meat on the bone. Yeah. I sang this song. It's my honest to God pre- preference. I like women who have more you know, yeah, meat on the right. bone. That's my thing. Sang this song that, is, is, that pokes fun at that. It's a hypo- hyperbolic. Of course, your songs are very funny. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, they're yeah. meant to be humorous, right? Because there's enough sadness in the world. I don't need to sing about my sadness. I sing about funny stuff, right? Or I try to, at least, <laughs> at least in part, you know? You know, so I sing about girls with, you know, large rear ends, you know, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And my God, you could have heard it like a pin drop in a, in a bad way. <laughs> In a bad way. After they all said they wanted to hear a song that offended them. So I was like, well, what what do you really want here? (laughs) People people want to be offended, but they they, deep down they want to have the opportunity to criticize you. Anyways. I remember you singing that song at at Melody's Melody's Cafe. Cafe, Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, you probably remember (laughs) that song. I love that song. You know, it, it, it plays well in certain markets and other markets it doesn't. But, you know, it was funny when I when I sat there and thought back about it. I was like you know, I, I have to just, I have to stay true to what the art that I want to make, man. Right. And it's been good for me recently. And, and, and to be honest, man, I've never been more satisfied That's awesome. with the things I'm creating and like the, the artwork that I'm coming out with. And partly, partly, part of it is, man, I'm not going to lie to you, is taking my money and putting it where's my mouth is. But also it's, it's been freeing creatively, mm. you know, like I can be creative and not really care if this next song is going to be on the radio or not, you know, those aspirations, those, I don't want to call them juvenile, but they're, but they're definitely naive. Yeah. Those naive aspirations. I think I've, 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 you know, 
not conquered them, but I've I've put them to rest a little bit. Right. And and have come to terms with the fact that, you know, I I don't I don't think I'll ever be on such a high level. And of course if it happens, it's great. You know, I would love it. You know, maybe deep down I really do. Of hope, course, but, yeah. Of course. But you know, but um it's come it's it's become more important to me though to to create the art. Right. You well, know, well, and each, that's that means something. And each of us in on some level deal with the curse of comparison where no matter sure. what we do, yeah. we're always gonna compare like everything's relative. Oh. Like our pain is relative. Oh, yeah. Like we're gonna compare it to the people who have less pain than us or, or sure. like or then with success, like we're gonna compare ourselves to people who have more success than us. And it yeah. is such like a, a cat and mouse game with that because I remember like ten years ago whenever I started trying to do songwriting as like a as like a gig or whatever you want to call yeah. it. And I remember thinking like there were certain goals, like uh milestones that I needed to reach and sure. then you reach that milestone and it took you years, like whether it was like getting on a radio station I wanted to get on or whatever it might have been, or, rec- you know, recording a full length album and getting this many copies sold and you do it. And then you realize immediately that it, it wasn't all that it was hyped yeah. up to be because you immediately start thinking about the next thing. Yeah. It's like, you, it's, it's always, yeah, how it, you it's, it's a trap. Yeah. It's a trap yeah. to like get caught in that, like that yeah. cycle. Cause like, I think it's there largely for a good reason. Like, I think it's good to have some level of, you know, self awareness to how sure. you're coming across in society. Like, like we yeah. compa- we compare things. It's it's good to compare like good and bad, etc. But when it comes to uh, art specifically, it can easily become a cripple, a or a um, a not a cripple, a yeah, like a crippling thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Where it can just destroy your craft. Yeah, it becomes in you know it comes to inhibition, right? Or is that right? Yeah, yeah, inhibition. It, it, inhib- it inhibits you. Yeah. in what you're trying to do because you're ultimately not thinking about what you should be thinking about, and that's yeah. the creation and. And I'm not saying I'm any master at this because I still, like I said, I'm 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 a, you know I'm a, I'm a walking time bomb in many ways, you know. <laughs> but but Aren't we all? but but I I mean I can legitimately say that you know the, that the recent EP I put out was for me. Mm. I put it out for me, and I've never been happier with the way it sounded. You know what I mean? Like That's the, great. The music sounds great. The songs make me laugh. They're the songs that I wanted to put on it, regardless of whether or not they'll ever they'll ever sell. You know, there's a song on there about about the Axeman of New Orleans. There's like a, a, a historical figure, right? And I got a chance to write this song, be a part of a, a panel at the at the Folk Fest a couple years ago. My first time I played at Folk Fest. And I wrote the song in four days for this particular panel, and it came out really well. But when do you get a chance to play a song about an axe murderer, <laughs> about a serial killer? You don't. Yeah, so I said, yeah. screw it. I'm putting it on this this bad guy EP, all about bad guys, you know, different types of bad guys. And, and you know, I got my Jim Croce, Bad Bad Leroy Brown kind of song on there, too. Like, you know, and and I don't expect it to ever sell. Like, I, I don't. It's, it's such a weird niche thing. Yeah, right. Even the artwork for it, like the, the visual artwork for it, it's over the top. Like it's 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 me with this crazy handlebar mustache and a top hat, <laughs> right? Literally stealing candy away from my daughter in the picture. Amazing. So like it's 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 I had a, had a buddy say to me it's it's um, hokey or campy, and I was like, oh yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, right on, <laughs> right on. <laughs> I, I, and I'm okay with that, man. Like I I embrace that element because you know, and and it's helped me, you know. To be more creative, because now I'm like, ooh, I'm gonna write something for this particular project. Mm. So like the political series of songs, yeah, right, right. It's like it's just a series I'm putting out. Like, and I'm using the same artist for them, so like they have a feel and a look. 
the, the EPs I'm doing have have uh, they're gonna have kind of thematic trends now. Like I'm working on a folk EP with um with the guys at folk uh, at, um at Turtle Studios okay. down in um, down in Philly. Oh, cool. Ross Belenois and, and Jay Levin. He's a genius, man. Yes, I'm, I'm looking very much forward to to beginning that work. We just chatted the other day. We're gonna do it. Just a matter of me, you know, being able to to save up to put right. that money on my mouth because yeah, I believe in that process and I want people to be paid for their time and efforts the way I want to be paid for I was going to say like you know? so much of it is like a self-respect thing to then have to project that respect to others man. exactly it really is uh, it really is important yeah and I believe in it wholeheartedly and, and it took me a while Nathan to get to that point man mm. to really get to the point where I can say that that that's important you know yeah. the, the way in which you treat yourself it's a tough you know? principle and to like to value your own time man yep. it's such a hard thing because you know you you know you do things because you believe in them um but at the same time you also have to like value that time right you know? and and give it the proper respect that it deserves so if you're going to put that artwork out you better will do it well all right. You know what I mean? Even if that, I'm, I don't mean like respect yourself always, like financially, because <laughs> like, of course, always, yeah. I mean, you, my time is worth a million dollars an hour. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> As is yours, man. We only get a certain amount. You know? Right. Time is the only thing that we really have. Yeah. When it comes down to it, that's all we really have. And you, and I think like there's a great example recently I, I've run into. There's this guy Doug who um I, I guess I digitally met through Twitter. Yeah. And now he listens to the podcast and we're like awesome. we're like online friends. Hey Doug, what's up, man? Yeah. <laughs> He's a great guy, and he lives around here, oh, cool. I found out, which is crazy because we never met or anything. We met online, and he reached out to me at one point recently and was basically like, hey, man, like, I love what you do, blah, blah, blah. Like, do you want – like, would you be cool if um I helped you produce your podcast? Like, I help edit it for you? And it became like this major um, – I guess you could call it like principled, ethical, whatever conundrum I'm in because I've – like kind of said to myself over the past couple of years that like I don't ever want to extract work from anyone unless I can pay them right. and I can't pay him at this oh, point yeah. and like I, it's, I've run into the same issue with like certain designer friends of mine I'm like oh I'd love to have this person like do art for me but I can't afford it and then I wait till I can afford it etc it's right. like I because I again going back to this like I know how much time how much time you know how much people's time is worth because yeah. I know how much time how much my time is worth and like and so it's one of these things, like, I feel like from a principled perspective, like, I have to be able to reciprocate that. And it's this weird thing because, like, I know, that especially in the gig economy, like, there's this whole, like, really shitty concept of I'm going to do it for exposure. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, places. That's a dangerous it thing is. Like, places right? are like, oh, you can intern here for free, but you're going to get exposure. You're going to get experience. And it's like. Dude, like, I get to a certain degree, like, depending on, like, a person or institution, like, there might be some merit to that. But, like, on a broader level, it's so it's, it becomes so slippery and, like, easily ex exploitative. And I just I hate the idea that for me personally that I would be in a situation where I'd be expecting someone to produce content for me where I'm not paying them. Because then, at, like, you know, when it comes to art or any kind of work, really, but specifically, like, let's just take art as an example. Yeah. Like, if I have a friend, like, my coworker Jeff's done some design work for me in the past, and I, I've always tried to pay him, but, like, he knows, like, we're both <laughs> poor artists, and it's, like, this weird, like, right. like you know, um, like, conversion that we do. Or, uh, uh, yeah, but, like, we... As an example with him, it's like uh, it, it can easily become this thing. If, if I were to be like, hey, Jeff, do this thing for free for me. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, I don't got anything going on. I'll do it. It easily slides.
slides into the situation where he produces this art for me, and then I go, oh, like, it's not quite there. Can you tweak this? Uh, and you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And then it just keeps going back and forth, and it's like before long, he's filled with resentment. Yeah. It's like, wait, I'm not getting paid. Why am I doing this? And it's like neither one of us started from that place. We right. both started from like, oh, this is out of the goodness of our heart. Like we're friends. Like you give, I'll take, I'll take you give. But like when you start with that mode of just like, you know, expecting a certain level of um, free content from whoever. Yeah, and then you tough. expect to get like your due diligence when you like sell this product or whatever. It's not. It, yeah, it's just slippery. It's just yeah, a slippery I thing. I agree. Yeah. Which is why like and, and that's. Oh, man. We could talk about a whole. We could have a whole podcast talking about crowdfunding and stuff like that. Yeah. I, see, this is what this is the thing that I'm like very wary about. Like I, I it, you know, deep down, it'd be great to like tap people on the shoulder and say, hey, you know, instead of buying me a beer, why don't you, uh, you know, fund this next record for me? Mm-hmm. Help me out. But I find it to be a very slippery thing because. I'm asking you to invest in me without knowing what the product is. Yeah. Like, right. I don't know how this recording is going to go. I don't know how it's, what it's going to be like. But it's almost people like today, and, and this is a weird thing for like artists, right? You can get people to, Nathan, I'm telling you, man, you can get people to buy into your shit. I know. Before they ever hear it. I know. It, right? It's a weird but, time. But once you make that shit, You're they behold- won't buy it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then and in the process, then in a way, you you often can feel beholden to them right. because they've already invested. And it's like, wait, do I have to like please yeah. this person? Then? Yeah, exactly. So I, I, I had this weird, weird relationship with it. And I've never done it because I'm scared about what it means. Yeah. You know, I, I probably spend <laughs> way too much time thinking about it, which would be my style. But, but like, I really have a, a a lot of reservations and, and hang-ups about the whole crowdfunding thing. Yeah. It's it's a very now some people can do it great and they do it really well and they and they incentivize and they give all kinds of packages and stuff. But I just I always have this weird thing. It's like, well, what if 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 you're buying this before I I make it? What happens if it turns out if it's shit, dude, and you don't <laughs> like it? If it's terrible, <laughs> yes. like there's a there's a there's a probability. J- <laughs> there's a there's a risk that you take. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, do I want to exploit that relationship? Because then will you ever support me exactly. again? Exactly. You know, or yes. but but when I when I put something out that I'm like wholeheartedly telling you, this sounds great. Mm-hmm. It came off the way I was hoping it would come off, or damn near. Would you please buy it? Yeah. Support me now. And it's like all you hear is fucking crickets. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know exactly. I mean? Dude. So it just cracks me up. The whole thing is really weird. Can I tell you a horror story? About I would love to hear a horror story. I've like, <laughs> I've had, you know, and I'll just preface this by saying, like, I've done two crowdfunding projects through yeah, Kickstarter, okay. and they're both I, successful. I don't mean to criticize. No, no, to listen, no, please criticize them because I'm no, about to no. tell you a horror story <laughs> about it. But um, I and I, I had good experiences, but I also ran into this issue. Yeah. One example, <laughs> I've never told this on the podcast. I don't oh think. man. Uh, this is, this is exclusive, ladies and gentlemen. This is Doug. Um, listen up. Oh my God, I can't. I, I, yeah, I'm just gonna say it. This is like this has been years. This happened in 2014, and okay. um, it was the first one I did, I think. And the the, the goal was like I think $7,500 or $6,500 for a full length uh, album with my ex girlfriend that I was producing. And at the so at the time. Like specific, like the content specifically around this album was like it had, I'll say like religious undertones to it. Like okay. it wasn't like explicit, you know what I mean? Sure. But it was like the undertones were there. Spiritual. Yeah, spiritual. And um, I grew up in a very religious community, so okay. a lot of the people that um that I'm still friends and family with, obviously, like to this day, like a pretty conservative Christian type, mostly like the Protestant denomination. Okay. And um, or Protestant umbrella, I should say, but um. 
Needless to say, uh, there's this guy who I knew from growing up, not terribly well, but like I knew him through friends um, from like going to like local shows at this one church. And he was always a very nice guy. And like, I'd, you know, he had a good relationship with a lot of friends of mine. Yeah. And uh, needless to say, when, when I put this uh, Kickstarter up, I was like getting the funding you know, up to the point where I needed it to be. And toward the end, um, he he donated a mass sum of money. Wow. Like, and I didn't expect it. Like, I, I've literally, from that time period of 2014, I mean, it would have been at least six years since I even saw this guy. Like, I was not, like, in touch with him. Like, he, once mm-hmm. in a while, he might send me, like, a Facebook message, that type of thing. But, like, we weren't, like, close, just right. to put it into perspective. Okay. Okay. We just, like, knew each other from growing up, sort of, and he was seem, always seemed like a very yeah. good, generous guy. So it was surprising that he would give you that It was very surprising. Amount, right? and, and I knew he was he's old, he was older, and he was also single, and, like, I knew that he put a lot of his resources into, like, younger kids and, like, the church community and all that. Right. So that's that's the pretty much the extent of what I knew. But anyway, so he donated this, like, really absurd sum of money that like just put us over the top basically and it was super cool and I was like wow like what the hell so yeah. like message this guy I'm like wow like thank you so much we end up talking a bit about it and <laughs> I I don't want to um whatever I, w- I won't get too deep into it but basically what happened is I at that time and this is 2014 since 2013 I would I'll say like around that area like maybe a little earlier but like that let's say that year like definitively I had started posting a lot more political stuff on mm-hmm. my Facebook and just like online in general and just delving more into like ideology and like kind of like you know going like I'd always gone through different like channels of belief but at this point i was really trying to like figure out who i was and like yeah. put it out there for the world to, to mixed feedback to some people being like this is great other people that i grew up with specifically like hey what the hell are you doing right because uh, i was kind of like shifting there was a lot of um undertones of like social justice like i know like black lives matter it started 2013 so they were kind of like the politics on facebook and online were just getting really heated at the time yeah, they still are right? yeah of course yeah like, so it, it started that like really yeah. crazy trajectory at sure. the time period so Anyway, this guy, I don't remember specifically, I have it still, um, I screenshot somewhere like what the status was, but I posted some status, and this is months after, like the project was funded and all that, it was, it was done, like we were in the studio, it was like, it was going on, and I posted some status that this guy didn't like, and he DM'd me about it, and was basically like, what are you talking about with this, and like started like reprimanding me, and it eventually cascaded to the point where he was like, I'm going to take back my money. And I was like, dude, like it's already like been extracted from the account. Like it's over. Like the, the fundraising is wow. over at this point. Like we're doing the album and it became this like insane back and forth thing. And like, I couldn't believe it. Like I was, my mind was blown that like he would have the audacity to do this. And, uh, it was just like so heartbreaking, dude. Cause it was like, what is like, like who would like what? Like you like you disagree with me on like a Facebook status? It was about something religious or mm-hmm. political that I guess was very visceral to yeah. him. And and I, of course, since then, this is like what five years ago. I've, I I do my best to like maintain a level of sensitivity toward sure. people's beliefs, but I'm also very opinionated, like as are most people. So like that balance can can get gray. And like specifically with the status, I remember it wasn't anything abhorrent you know what i mean like it was was critical but it wasn't like i'm saying something like anti-semitic or like you know what i mean like something that's like deemed like clear bigotry society has said this is not cool Uh, yeah Yeah. right so it wasn't like that oh it was just a very surprising um turn of events and then like that ended up like snowballing into like i was i showed it to a bunch of friends of mine and like i a couple other people on like that facebook status particularly like um saw this because he posted it he literally he posted like something he was messaging me about but then he posted something like 
inadvertent about it, essentially. And then someone else responded to him and was like, are you serious, dude? Then he ended up deleting the comment, and then that went away. But, like, he ended up DMing me. I, fr- I forget if it was, like, a month later or whatever, being, like, sorry. He didn't end up, t- end up taking the money back. But it was, like, this whole, like, ringer of just, like, emotional like not trauma, but just like a roller coaster yeah. I was on because I was like, man, like I'm uh, me and my girlfriend, like, you know, we were dating at the time. We had similar beliefs, but also some different beliefs. And sure. like we are unified and like putting this like piece of art out there that we both believed in and stood behind. And to have this, like he was like our biggest funder by far, like come out and do that. It was, it felt so manipulative and just like, just freaky to what you're saying here about just like feeling like be in any way, shape or form beholden, to the people who do this. And again, like that's, that's my horror story. Like I've had other than that, it's been largely successful. And I love, I love, um, uh, the whole, uh, crowdfunding thing specifically for art. Like I would, I would get into maybe different opinions regarding like medical stuff. Cause I know like the medical stuff in a lot of ways is like propped up by like anti like Medicare for art for all all type, uh, industries. And that's like a whole other thing. That's like, it's, it's cool to be able to, to have the communal option to, to fundraise. But like when people feel like they're forced to do like GoFundMes for injuries that like could have been taken care of in a hospital, like that's pretty, it's messed up. Anyway, that's, that's a tangent, but he <laughs> was to say like, yeah, I, I totally am with you on the, the mixed bag of feeling totally. like you're, you know, it's yeah. a scary thing. So you're putting yourself out there and you don't know, like I had yeah. no, con- like I knew this guy growing up sort of, but like, I didn't have any expectation or, um, or like, uh, like, like kernel of an idea that like something like that would happen. You yeah. know what I mean? So like to, to have that skepticism, I think is healthy. It's wild, man. <laughs> I, I, I have got, I mean, I mean, term like anecdotal stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's maybe what got me thinking about it because I knew this guy and I won't, you know, drop names or nothing, but there's this, there's this musician kind of friend that I got to know a little bit and he did a, 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 crowdsourced GoFundMe mm-hmm. or was it whatever it was I think it was probably Kickstarter yeah Kickstarter is like the artist one usually this is probably is a while ago at this point and uh probably like 2012 or something and um he wound up making like a ridiculous amount of money on the on the fundraiser like it, it was I think someone told me it was like 15 or 20 thousand dollars wow and ultimately he bought a car and kind of absconded <gasps> Yeah, he like totally flaked. What? Yeah, so all people like put the money in, didn't oh get the stuff we promised. Like, he just disappeared. I mean, he was always kind of a flaky guy to begin with. Yeah, like totally a flaky dude. But like he pretty much absconded with people's money and didn't record anything. Wow. And I don't know whatever happened. If like they like they funded refunded people, but I was like, that how can this even happen? You yeah. know, like you promise somebody something and you don't do it. But it's a donation, so they have no say in how you really spend it in the long run. But, right. But there are some safe catches and guards there. I don't, that's the thing. I was, I was like, wow, this is almost too much for me well, to well, even. I, I, don't, I don't know that situation. Just to interject there a second, but, like, it does get more and, – and this is – don't take this in any way as excuse me. That's, that's horrible. But, like, I think to your point there of, like, the, the kind of, like, gray area of, like, the rules, it gets worse, I think, for creators as the um, – as as the expectations get blown out of proportion, because yeah. like say his goal, this is all hypothetical, was like two grand, yeah. and then all of a sudden he's got fifteen grand. So you have to like the system if you're working ethically within it. Like you, you're supposed to like raise your awards and raise like what you're given and like and your maybe your production or whatever it might be. Right. But like to your point, there's no um, there's no rule set. There's no like uh, like he could have spent like. Even if he had done it ethically, he could have say you're not ethically, but less uh, terribly. So he could have spent maybe like 
five grand on production when he was planning to spend one grand, but then the rest of the ten grand could have done whatever he wanted. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, there's no never, rules. So. From what I gather, he never put anything that's, out. Yeah, that's like insane. he literally bought a car and moved to the other side of the country. Oh. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, it was a guy I knew from from the East Coast. Oh. He went up on the West Coast. And How like, do you not get sued? Like, you think, like, Kickstarter would have this guy's info. I don't info, know. Maybe like, he refunded everybody. I have no idea what happened. Yeah, right. But, like, I remember Chaos. seeing that, and I was like, this is crazy. And then then it was, like, another local guy, local guy that I knew. And I love him. I think he's a great artist. I support him. Great dude. And I I was like, I, you know, I'd love to support his thing because I believe in his art. Mm-hmm. And, and I wrote him a check, you know, sent it over to him. I don't know if he ever cashed a check or whatever for it, but, but like, you know, I, I, like, I wanted his back catalog. He was like, that was one of the the, the promises, oh, one cool. of like the, so you get all his old records, yeah, in digital format, and then you get the new one. But I don't know whatever happened, and it wasn't like a substantial. It was thirty bucks, like you know, it wasn't like a huge amount, but it was like the the matter of it, like I, that I wrote him this check, and I don't, like I said, I don't even know if he ever even cashed it. I wasn't even that good about following up about it. Uh huh. But like I never got, I never got, got the, the principal. I never got the records that I paid for, like the the past ones. And I don't know if he ever made the record eventually because I never got the the new one. Wow. So I just don't know what ever happened to it. And like <laughs> that's and crazy. It could have very well happened that he just never cashed that check. Maybe I should have done it electronically instead of giving them a check. Or yeah, something. right. But I, I don't like to. I, I, don't, I don't like electronic stuff yeah. on the internet. I a just, lot of people know, have apprehensions about that. Yeah. So I just, I'd rather prefer, I prefer to buy somebody a check and just like I know it's probably safer to use the internet than it is the check, but it's my old school world. Like, <laughs> I, I, I try to give him cash. He's like, no, you got to give me a check or something so I can deposit it. And I was like, oh, okay. And like, he's like, oh, I guess I'll write you a check then. Like, you know. But anyways, the point the point being was like, and I still see him around and everything, and we're friends. I'm not like holding any grudges, but like the concept of the funding thing was like. At that point, I was like, I don't think I could ever do it. So slippery. Personally. But then recently, I've been, like, thinking about all the projects that I'm doing. I'm doing so many projects. Mm. Like, so many different ones. Like, recording projects. And I'm like, it's, it's getting hard yeah. to fund them all. And I'm like, maybe I'm... Maybe I'm you should do maybe it, maybe dude. I should do one. You should. I'm also... And, the, and this is, like, the hard... Okay. The, the, even deeper, right? Let's go to the, the psychosis here or whatever it is. <laughs> There's a fear. A fundamental fear that I have. That I'll ask for something. And you won't get it. And then won't no one's going to give a shit. Yeah. And then I'm like super like, oh, maybe I should say like a super low thing. Oh, like, man. Like, ask for like, you know, a thousand bucks and maybe I'll get like, you know, a little bit and whatever. Right. And, and like, I was like, you know, because like I could, you know, use a little help with this, some of these records that I'm putting out. But like, I just, I have this fear that like no one will, no one will help me. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, and, and, and it's, it's, it's this weird thing, Nathan, man. They, I mean, I mean. You are the they who are listening to this podcast, man. <laughs> and I'm not calling you Fellow out. Fellow listener. But what I'm saying, too, is, like, people want to be a part of the process sometimes more than they want to be, like, the receiver of the thing, mm. which is, like, an interesting concept. Like, we, we've and, – and, and in that regard, man, I, I think we've bashed on modern culture a lot tonight, unfortunately. <laughs> Cultural critics. You said to yourself right. you love them. But, it, but in, in some regards, there's some really cool things happening in terms of people experiencing stuff. People want to experience stuff yeah, today right. more than they ever did in the past. Or maybe maybe back to a, a, a time before, like, people want to go places. They want to do things with their with their money. They don't want to, you know, buy things. They want, right. to, they want to do things. They want to spend their money in different ways. They want to be a part of that experience of creating something 
than actually buying the creation. Mm-hmm. Like it becomes less of like owning the record and more of supporting the record. And yeah, right. I, I kind of like understand that. I get that. And uh, it's these are all like big philosophical questions that I have as I'm like thinking about whether I whether or not I'd ever do it, like a, a, a GoFundMe or whatever, a Kickstarter. And it, these are big things. And now, and the weird thing is, right, another flying ointment, right? Now we have people out there who are like consultants. Mm-hmm. They're literally Kickstarter consultants. Yeah. Right. I've seen people like offer their services. You're like, I could do it. <laughs> I think you might be good at that job, man. <laughs> That's hilarious. But like they're they're like offering that service. And to me, it's like, wait, I'm gonna pay you to help me fundraise? Yeah. And I guess that's like a, a model that works in the real world. That, yeah. That right. really happens. But it's so crazy to think about. But it's like yeah. weird. Like these people are donating to it's my meta. cause that I'm gonna pay you. But I need to respect your time and but isn't this shouldn't it be about donation? I don't know. It's a weird thing. I man. understand, yeah. But it's like you know, and then how much percentage of each person's dollar gets donated you know, gets paid to you to help me coerce them. I use that exactly. word. I shouldn't use that word, but convince no, but them. Totally, yeah. Convince them to support me. So it's like this weird, like nefarious. I don't want to call it nefarious, man. It's like it's a well, gr- super it's, little gray it's, area. It's advertising, and all advertising has Maybe a grain of just like you know, you're you're selling, you're selling not not. I shouldn't say it's never um, a lie, but like you're selling. You're, there's always a lie attached to it. You know what I mean? Because right. it's like it's, it's like appearance. And, yeah, yeah, like when you when you when you sell a brand image on anything, it's not necessarily like it could be literally like a nonprofit that just does work with kids in Africa or something. Like it could be something completely um, altruistic. But yeah. I mean, there's still the element that you have to sell. Like this nonprofit is better than the other nonprofits. Right. You know what I mean? Like you have to you have to present it in a way that's gonna like get eyeballs, get attention, yeah. get donations. Like no matter what you do. For us, it's like we have to, whether we believe it or consciously understand it or not, like we have to, when we post about our music, do it in a yeah. way that it's like, you should listen to this because I'm great. Yeah. Even if, like, and in that, there's truth, but there's also a grain of lie that sure. we're like trying to sell something. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's where it gets I t- sticky. I, to- I totally do. It. But it's like a weird thing. It's like, if it was my money, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I was producing the record and like, you know, paying for the record entirely. And it wasn't anybody else's money. I I would easily spend that money and say yes, help me promote this record. But because it's other people's but because money, it's other people's money. Yes, yeah. But maybe they want me to use that money to get more people to involve. It's just a weird yeah. thing. It no, gets to be a very weird, yeah. philosophically slippery thing. Yeah. But I think we solve all the world's problems tonight. <laughs> I think it's great, man. I think you should do it. I think, I mean, knowing you, I mean, I think it's a, uh, it is a daunting thing. I remember the two times I've done it, I was both, um, I should say I was both surprised and also disappointed in the support and the lack of support. Oh. You get both ends of the coin because I think you get, you, you're forced to reckon with the fact that less people, it's not that they don't care, but like it's, it's actually, see, let me frame it a different way. It's not that people don't care. It's that. People are so um, stretched. They're stretched so thin yeah. in so many different directions that it's really hard for most people to find the to, to summon the energy to donate. Like it might sound like such a trivial thing to me or you, because it's like, oh, this is art. It's our art. It's my life. Like, why wouldn't you do that? But yeah. so many people that I know in my life could have afforded 
to donate to my my project my Kickstarters, both of them at different times, and not 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 only could they have, but like are always like very adamant about I love what you do, I support what you do, etc. Then they didn't show up to that, and I right. knew they saw it. Like I texted it to them, I emailed it to them, they posted it on Facebook, etc. Like so, I knew that it was like in their face for thirty days or whatever it would have been, and they just didn't show up. So it's like there's you get that part of it where it's like okay like that kind of sucks like I, I have to reckon with that but then you also get very surprised at the the people who do support like i don't know the biggest thing for me for both ones was so many of the people that supported were people who i wouldn't consider af not not affluent but like they were lower class like there were people that were in my financial situation who at the time specifically who like were making between minimum wage and maybe thirty thousand a year you know what i mean okay. yeah. not not people that were making like 40, 50, 60, 100 yeah, lower K. middle class. Yeah, lower middle class people. So, like, it's, it's, uh, right. it, you get very surprised at, like, who turns out. And it's, and so much of it's just like a, a failed anecdotal sociological experiment. Cause it's yeah. like, obviously, there's so many factors you'll never know going right. into it. Like, maybe, maybe the person you thought did see it didn't see it, or maybe they literally just forgot last minute right. and didn't do it. So, right. there's all these, like, stupid factors. But, yeah. like, I think, I think overall, it's really worth, um, it's worth it for someone in your shoes who's trying to, like, create something really cool and you're at a phase where, like, you need the help. Yeah. And, like, both times I did it, like, I, I funded this last record I did on my own, but the two times prior, I really did need it. Like, I couldn't, I, if I want, even if I wanted to, I couldn't have done it the way right. that yeah. I had laid it out. So, I think if you're in that situation where, like, you could use the money and it's a way, like you said, to tell a story and to lasso your fan base together in a fun, like, experiential way. Yeah. Like, it, it is more... It's more than just like, hey, I'm fundraising, give me money. Like to those people, it is an experience. They right. do feel like they're part, they're part of, of it. it. Yeah, yeah, part of the so, journey. Yeah, yeah. It's so, wild, man. It's good to be skeptical, but I think I do yeah. think for for what it's worth, man. It's it's a uh, it's a it's a good risk to take. You've given I'll me say. food for thought. <laughs> I mean, that's a good conversation. Something right? to think about. <laughs> I mean, that's what should happen in a good conversation, yeah, right. right? You should think about new things and and. Uh, Perhaps th rethink your position on certain things. Yeah, uh, we we all be better off doing that once in a while, huh? I think so. Well, it's been great, man. It's been Thank we've been going on for me. a while. I know you got a long drive home. <laughs> nah, it's be not a late too bad, night. man. Not too bad. Not um, is there any like specific place you want to send people, like your website or yeah. Spotify or wherever? Oh, Spotify's great. I mean, Spotify is not great. I mean, I love <laughs> don't, don't Spotify. Please come and sponsor Nathan's oh, podcast. God, you Spotify folks. At the same time, maybe you could pay us a little like better for the email, streams. Your like quarterly email, it's like you earn point one cent or whatever oh, it's on this it's stream. Like, it's horrible, man. <laughs> like, oh man, I, 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 but I love the concept. Yeah, because it's great. The, just the exposure, right? That you're gonna get so much exposure. exposure. So I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. Spotify's cool, man. Facebook, Instagram. I'll, I'll, I try to post on Instagram whenever I can, and uh, you know, uh, the website's the best though. JasonAger.com. Beautiful. Thanks for coming on the podcast, hey, man. Hey, man. Thank you for having me.